is a single source supplier. In business since 2007, they have over 80,000 products for customers just like you. Located in the heart of North Carolina, they supply cleaning products all throughout the Southeast. Whether you're a commercial business, office, or municipal building looking for wholesale cleaning products, chemicals, cleaning equipment, or service, they've got you covered. Please reach out and start saving money today. Stop by their store open to the public and save. Chem Source Direct, 1207 South Park Drive in Kernersville. Give them a call at 336-515-9990. Order from the website at Kim sourcedirect.com Father Tom is undefeated. It's going to hit Tom Brady eventually, too. It might be this year. Hopefully it's this year. And Matt LaFleur went to both of them and said, hey, remember that play you drew up on notebook paper on Thursday? Yeah, run it now. Like, that's the thing that's kind of tripping me up here. We've been clowning Kyrie Irvin and his behavior for the past five years. I feel like I just got a point, like on a show or something. <laughs> Three, two, one. Kersville, you've got state champions coming back home. The East Forsyth Eagles have just won Class 4A state championship. On the line with NASCAR superstar Bubba Wallace. Bubba, what type of music are you listening to right now? Do you listen to anything particular to get you hyped before a race? Uh, I'm in like the heavy metal stuff, like the screamo stuff, stuff you can't understand. <laughs> That's right up my alley. Tie game at 41. Murt takes the snap. Fade right corner of the end zone for Timmons. He oh bobbled it God. and then holding it in in the right corner of the end zone. Terrell Timmons Jr. TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com, your home for triad sports. TRSR Triad Hot Deals. The top deals on sports tickets, dining, and fun in the triad. Visit TRSRTriadHotDeals.com right now and sign up to get the best area deals in the triad every week. Powered by Tobacco Road Sports Radio and SportsCarolinaMonthly.com. This month, save big on Carolina Cobra's season tickets. Go to seven home games this season for only $45. That's an $80 value. Buy your 2022 season ticket package now with this exclusive deal from Triad Hot Deals. Visit trsrtriadhotdeals.com. Visit the sports tab and secure your package. Limited number available. That's trsrtriadhotdeals.com. You are locked into Tobacco Road Sports Radio. Your home for triad sports. Like to have everybody's attention for a moment. There's a stat. I don't like bringing up stats, but there's one stat about the Panthers. He's a more creative in that he, traveling he, is not creative. He Brandon. He <laughs> you know, no matter what the score is, and they've said it themselves, whether they're up 10, down 10, down 20, whatever, they know they can turn it on, whatever. Why did you have to bring up the Cowboys? <laughs> lived in Texas for two years and just could not stand to watch Cowboys football. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right, listen up, listen up. Welcome to the rundown. Here's Desmond Johnson. And happy Saturday morning to the Triad. Desmond Johnson here with you per usual every Saturday morning live in the Triad. WWBG 1470 AM and of course TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. You are locked into another brand new two-hour edition of The Rundown. The only place you can go on the weekends in the Triad to get caught up on everything that's happened in the world of sports. And gives you everything you need to know about what's going on in the Triad in regards to sports. Joining me per usual, my man. My partner in crime, Hot Rod Funderburk, back in the house. 
and Sam Dracula, host of the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast. If you are Carolina, no, excuse me, not Carolina Panthers, Carolina, uh, excuse me, Charlotte Hornets. I'm going too fast. I had some caffeine earlier this morning. I'm sorry. <laughs> host of the Charlotte Hornets podcast for Believe on Believe Networks. It's Believe in Hornets. It's uh, Sam Dracula, who co-hosts with Raymond Felton, who a lot of uh, UNC faithful may be familiar with. Going, what's going on, gentlemen? Happy uh, Saturday morning to you. Hey, what's going on, Des? Hope all is well. It's a beautiful Saturday. I wish we had the 84 degrees today <laughs> instead of on Wednesday. Uh, but, you know, we'll take this 55 that's coming. Yeah, we'll take this 55. What's up, Sam? How you doing, bro? I'm doing great. I'm doing yeah, great. It, it looks like you're doing great. I, I see the fire going on behind you. You got the, oh, you got the chill, like mood lighting going on. Like, you, like it's like a vibe over there where Sam I, is at right now. <laughs> I had to give you the full ambiance. I got rid of my green screen uh, because we got the plane coming up and yeah. I need room to operate. The green screen boxes me in. It goes up from the floor like this. So with I need I'm gonna do a lot of pacing during this game. Right. Even uh so like I, I got I need room to operate. <laughs> but look, it looks great. Kind of, kind of reminds me of uh this uh this week was my um my 15th wedding anniversary to my uh my wife Jennifer. So congratulations. Uh, thank you, thank you. It, it's crazy too. I tell people they're like, oh, how many years has it been? I'm like 15. We don't even think about it. And they're like, oh my gosh, that's that's fantastic. And I, I never thought about the fact that so many people get divorced so early nowadays that 15 years, I guess, is a is a big deal. And uh went up to Pilot Knob Inn up at Pilot Mountain um past couple of days, got the penthouse suite. It's got this gigantic hot tub in the middle of the living room with like a fireplace like Sam's got going on right there. I'm says I'm wore out. I'm tired. I'm, I, I was almost <laughs> not even going to do this show today. <laughs> I was like, I'm just back to bed. But no, the people need it. This is what the people wanted. So we're here in the house today with uh, the rundown. Lots to catch up to. Uh, I do want to touch on what happened last weekend at the Final Four real briefly because it's been over a week now. But uh, just to get everyone's opinions on what they saw, especially at Rod being UNC alumni, I wanted you to address this question that's being posed to me by Duke fans uh, this past week on social media. Um, also, Tiger Woods crashing the Masters. Uh, he's uh, looks like he's going to make the cut. I think he did make the cut, if I'm not mistaken. He made the cut, yeah. So he's playing this weekend. So we'll talk about the impact of Tiger coming back after a little over a year, almost dying in a car accident, a really bad car accident, almost lost his leg in it. And just uh, you know, a little over a year later, he's playing in the Masters. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit too. And at the end of hour one, of course, uh, our Charlotte Hornets, as Sam alluded to, are going to be in the play-in. It's going to be a wild weekend. He'll give up the scenarios as to uh, Charlotte can end up anywhere from 7th to 10th based on uh, results, what happens with them winning. Uh, they got to win for it to kick in. And then there's like three other games going on where we got to figure out what's what for them to get there. And uh, there's this crazy rumor out there about Russell Westbrook possibly ending up in Charlotte. I wanted to get Sam's opinion on that because we've talked about this, I think, in the past. Um, might have been over a year ago when he was kind of out there floating around again. And I had mentioned, you know, I wouldn't mind having Russell and laid out the whole, he's on Jordan brand, he's this, blah, blah, blah. This is before we really knew what LaMelo Ball was. So we'll really, we'll get into that combo too. But first, before we get into our first segment of the day, uh, the athlete who you feel most impacts their sport today, I did want to address the Final Four and the National Championship game last Monday. Uh, North Carolina falling to the uh, the national champion, the one seed that did make the Final Four, the Kansas Jayhawks. Uh, Carolina had a 16 point lead at one point in the first half, second half, they got in it. And, uh, I'll, I'll be, I'll be frank when it got to halftime and I saw the score was 40 to 25. I know a lot of Carolina fans were jumping up and down. That was the first time in about a month and a half where I was like, I don't feel comfortable being up 15 points to this team. Like, I feel like it, it don't feel the same <laughs> as it has been previously. Um, Rod being alumni of Carolina, 
Uh, I'm sure you got a chance to to watch that national championship. What were your thoughts going into that second half? And it it just felt like they ran out of gas, really. Yeah, I kind of had the same thoughts you had, Des. As a matter of fact, I had a buddy who's a friend of mine. We ride motorcycles together. He's a big Duke fan. Gave me a call, and he was like, man, y'all going to blow them out. I was like, man, it's too early to say right now. <laughs> we got I said, because <laughs> I said, you know, we did have a comeback, or we had Baylor to come back on us, you know, in the second round. And I said, man, I said, you know, you can't get too comfortable. I said, you got to remember, this is Kansas. They're the number one seed. Self has been here plenty of times. Mm -hmm. And I said, they're just not going to roll over and give it to us. So, you know, going into halftime, I was like, okay, we got a good lead. But I was hoping that the strategy would be what it needed. And I felt like, and I don't know if you want me to go on beyond halftime, but I do feel like as it progressed and I watched it, I do not think that our coach Davis uh, felt that he would be up that much at half because he did not have a plan um, to keep that halftime uh, lead. And the reason that I say that, if you come out in the second half and you take your time and run your half court offense and you run your clock down to 25 seconds, it's going to take at least 20 possessions for Kansas to beat you. 20 possessions at least if you take your time, slow it down, and run your half court. And then at the end of the game, uh, when love, I I do like love, but sometimes as a coach, you got to make a hard decision. There were three people who were heating up in the last three minutes of the game. Those three people were Davis, Manic, and Johnson. And I'm sorry, if love couldn't see or understand that as a head coach, you take love out of the game. Or you allow love, you give him specific instructions. You penetrate, and when you penetrate love, you look for Manic, Johnson, or Davis, period. And then I also blame uh, uh, Hubert Davis on the last call when you know love is not, it doesn't have it right now, and the three guys who are hot need the ball, you don't allow love to be in court. You put him on the out of bounds and let him inbound the ball to one of those three guys. So, I do feel like, you know, I'm proud of Hubert Davis and everything that he did, but I do feel like he did not have a strategy for being up that high to any team in the tournament. Maybe he didn't think his team was was good enough to be in that type of lead and have that type of control. That uh that last play, um, it, Hubert in the press conference, I thought he gave a really good, clear uh, explanation of what the play was supposed to be. It was Brady Manick was running along the baseline. He was going to give a double pick and come around and curl and look like he was going to be open. But he stumbled, and when he stumbled, it threw the timing of the playoff, and Caleb Love was coming on another uh, pick, coming towards the ball as a second option in case they couldn't get the ball to Brady. So when Brady started to stumble, they threw it into to Caleb, and he was the only shot really on that play, and he just came short. It just felt like they just, it just felt like they ran out of gas. Like I mean, Brady Manick probably had two concussions in that game, getting hit in the face. Uh, Pup Johnson's vomiting on the court. Uh, yeah, get in the stomach. I don't even know when that happened. I didn't even see it happen. But yeah, uh, I, I saw it happen coming and back down. It was really weird. I just want to add one more thing, Des. And this one more thing is, I felt like in the second half, I was watching Roy Williams coach because there was no timeout call when that lead was cut to ten points. There should have been a timeout call when I that lead kept coming down. Yeah. There was no timeouts being called. I was like. Is Roy Williams back on the sidelines? Maybe I mean, Dean. what's going on? <laughs> That's kind of like the <laughs> Carolina way. Like, I, apparently, if you're the coach of North Carolina, you don't call timeouts during runs. Like, no, 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 no. You, away from you better. Born, I guess. <laughs> Dean, Roy, <laughs> Gut, even Doter. I mean, like all of them. It's like if there's a run going on, they kind of let them play through it. Kind of like that old school 
Phil Jackson, Chicago Bulls, Lakers mentality where he just lets them run through like they hardly ever call a timeout during a, a run or whatnot. Um, Sam, your thoughts real quick on the national championship before we move on to uh, segment one's topic. What did you think about Carolina's performance? And uh, are we talking about Kansas enough? Because it feels like Kansas has been yeah. overshadowed by UNC's loss, uh, which is really weird. That usually doesn't happen uh, in a national championship setting. Yeah, I mean, from my point of view, like, I'm, I don't have a, a dog in the fight, so to speak. I'm from St. Louis, so, you know, it is what it is, full disclosure. <laughs> <laughs> but with uh, you're watching UNC's run, like, I felt like I was part of it. You know, doing the podcast with Raymond Felton, you can see it and hear in his voice. Um, I was really excited to talk to him about this. So, like, I was like, okay, for content purposes, it'd be amazing if UNC won the title because mm -hmm. um, it'd be great to talk to him about it. Um, but yeah, Kansas deserve all the credit in the world for making that comeback as well. So like, I, that's all I really can add uh, to what Rod's had to say. Um, and it's it's unfortunate that the, the 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 best story was UNC winning. It just didn't play out that way. Yeah, and joining us now, he is the host of Frankly Speaking Sports here on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com every Tuesday through Thursday at 11 a.m. Larry Frank joining us here. Uh, Larry, real quick before we move into the topic one for segment one uh, this Saturday morning. Your quick thoughts on the UNC Kansas National Championship game on Monday, uh, Kansas 81-79 winners. Uh, UNC had up to a 16-point lead at one point, lost it all, got it back, tied it, had a chance to tie uh, with four seconds to go in the game. Uh, but it felt like Carolina was just running out of soldiers at the end. What, what were your thoughts on that matchup and uh, the future for Carolina going forward? Well, obviously, can't give Kansas credit where credit is due. Like you said, everybody's talking about North Carolina, but Kansas came back from a 16-point deficit. And like you said, I mean, give McCormick. David McCormick, I thought, was a beast in that game. Just unbelievable. Right. And this is how Kansas plays. If you look at the entire tournament, they fall down a little bit. Then they come back. But, you know, when you talk about UNC, Desmond, first of all, a lot of their future depends on what Caleb Love and Baycott do uh, because did they do enough this season to get them high enough in the draft where they want to go in the NBA, or do they play another year? But I think the one thing that people are forgetting, and they talk about St. Peter's throughout, and I think that has to do a lot because of the history of North Carolina, but in my opinion, the real Cinderella team in this tournament had to be Carolina. They weren't ranked in the top 25. They didn't win the ACC. They didn't win the ACC tournament. Come on, guys. A non-top 25 team made it to the finals, made it to the championship, and had a 16-point lead at, at halftime. There it is. <laughs> Oh, did I, we go out there? Okay. Yeah. But if you, I have to, I can move it. Just like, it's like overloaded the circuits. It was going, it was going wild there. Um, the No, I agree. I mean, Carolina was an eight seed. The only eight seed to ever win the national championship was Villanova in 85 over uh, a monster Georgetown team. So uh, hats off Carolina. Hats off to Hubert Davis, who's picked up a lot of national coach of the year awards this past week. I think he did an excellent job getting these kids to believe in what he was doing. I do feel like, uh hubert has implemented the carolina way but in his style which i really like i wanted something a little different than roy a little different than dean he's got sprinkling of both of them in there but you can feel this team is hubert's team like th they play for him so um i'm looking forward to see what they do going forward into the future but uh just wanted to touch on that before it was gone because we didn't get a chance to really get into it um when we were on last week it was before final four even got played but segment one for today what I, something that i thought was pretty interesting this notion of Athletes who have impact 
on their sports. And it's mainly it mainly made me think of it because of Tiger Woods returning to the Masters. I'd been on the tip of uh, we should not expect Tiger Woods to win the Masters. Let's just start for for a second. You know, let's stop and think about what, what we're talking about here. We're asking Tiger Woods to basically contend and win a, a major golf tournament basically on an iron rod of a leg. Like my understanding, his right leg was like completely shattered in this accident. He almost lost his leg, almost lost his life. This was just February of 2021 and th- just a little over a year. And right now, I want to say he's in 10th place. Let me go pull up the leaderboard. Of course, they're going to I think it was 19. I think he's in 19. I think he's like one over or at par or something like that. Yeah, he's one over. Mm -hmm. So he's one over. So he didn't make the cut. So that's dangerous. He's walking around, uh, walking around there. And we're going to talk about Tiger in segment two. But what I wanted to talk about were athletes that immediately come to mind that play today that have the most impact on their sport. So whether it's baseball, basketball, football, hockey, soccer, whatever it is, give me a guy or girl that has influenced their sport so much that they've almost changed the way the sport is played. Um, who's one of the first people that comes to mind when you think of that? Rod, let's uh, let's start off with you. Well, um, one of the people who come to mind is someone who, and I know Brandon Blakeney is not on here, but he is a huge fan of this guy. And, I, and I'm a fan of this player as well. I like to follow him wherever he goes. And I think that's LeBron James. And the reason that I say that, you know, with LeBron James, it became really cool for players to start jumping around and building their own teams and play with their friends. Okay. I see. He, I see where you're going on this one. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. To like, me, uh, uh, to me, you know, at one point there was a time uh, in basketball where you just did not do that. If somebody went to four teams in ten years, there was a problem. And I and I'm speaking back in the early '80s uh, when you got the Lakers when they're building their dynasty. And in the middle of me saying that, Des, I got to ask you this. Have you watched the HBO series concerning the Ooh, Lakers yeah. dynasty? The Showtime I thing? Th- yeah, that. I thought about you on that. Man, Is that good. not a heck of a story? It's good. It's really good. Like, it's it, one of my favorite shows on TV right now. Um, I got to make sure the kids ain't in the room when it's on because you never know what's going <laughs> <Right. laughs> to. Especially with Magic Johnson. Yeah, especially yeah, Magic's yeah. not there. Well, oh, my gosh. But, uh, yeah, I love it. I think it's great. Um, I wish they could go longer and go deeper. I think it's just – I don't know when it stops, like where it ends, but – uh, if it's just the first season of Magic being on the Lakers, sign me up. I'm, you know, last week was fantastic. So, but uh, with your LeBron thing, yeah. first I was gonna buck against it because I'm like, I don't know if LeBron's changed the game of basketball like on the court. But what your description of him, you right. know, changing teams, taking, uh, being more empowered as a player, I can't right. think of another player that uh, other than Jordan, and even Jordan kind of did it more singularly. Like he did it more like uh, when he came back. He was taking one-year deals from the Bulls. Uh, they were paying him like $25 million, uh, $30 million, $35 million, which, yeah, I remember this is 96, 97, 98. That's like somebody getting $50 million, $55 million for a year now, which they're starting to creep towards. But Jordan was getting that then, and he was still criminally underpaid, to be honest, for uh, the amount of money he made Jerry Reinsdorf. But LeBron took it to a different level where he made it cool for other players to do it too because now we're in a generation where I don't even know where – where do you if James Harden makes the Hall of Fame? Well, he will. What jersey is he going under? You know, or, or exactly or Irvin or a lot of these dudes, Kevin Durant. Like, what jersey does he is he going to Oklahoma City? Is he going as Roy? Is he going as Fournette? Well, Harden would be the same jersey they have hanging up in that establishment in Houston. You think so? They yeah, be they retired his jersey at a certain years. place in Houston. Uh, yeah, so, yeah like, I mean, was, not the building, was, not the basketball arena. 
and uh, oh, oh, the, the, <laughs> yeah. the family show, right? Like I don't want to say yeah, right. You know what it's I mean? Sort of a family show, sort yeah, yeah. of, kind of. Okay, it's okay. early enough for the kids to probably still sleep. So. Spent a lot of money in a certain place in uh, in Houston, Texas, <laughs> and they have his dress hanging up there. Maybe wherever they're using there, they can use. I've, the those, I've always heard those places have the best hot wings. So uh, we'll. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Sam, what what guy do you think of first when you think of people that have uh, changed their sport, like impact wise, uh, athlete, a guy or girl? I'm doubling down on LeBron because wow, um, what what we've seen from he's been the longevity we've seen from LeBron James is unparalleled, right? To be playing this well at this age is incredible, and how he speaks about his personal um, health treatment, his body treatment, spending a million plus dollars on his body every year. I think that would become the norm for the mega stars of the league as they get older and to continue um, the peak of their careers, like extend the peak of their careers. Plus when we talk about impact, no matter what's going on in the league, if LeBron sends out the right tweet, gives the right quote, drops an interview, it'll take over the NBA narrative. Um, he did it over NBA uh, All-Star Weekend. Like he does this stuff when the spotlight's not on him and he wants it on him, mm-hmm. he can do it. Um, I love Giannis, but Giannis is not that, at that level yet. You know, like the other stars in the league can't take over the NBA narrative like he can right now. And at his age, he can, he can win a scoring title, which is crazy. <laughs> like, so he's still doing it in a, in a massive way. But yeah, I think from a, from a longevity and a, um, a treatment point of view, um, I think we, we can see his impact today. Um, what he's doing now, um, the impact can ripple on and on throughout I, the league. I got to admit, I didn't even think about that aspect of this question when I wrote it down. Uh, you know, Sam and Rod coming in with some heat here, putting LeBron up there. Uh, Larry, who who comes to mind first for you when you think of athletes with the most impact on their sport today? Well, when you talk about today or you're talking about in the past? Just just today. I wanted to limit it to just current Jordan active athletes. Was the past. Right, so today, Jordan would be like that. Right. In changing the game, I, I know you'll laugh at me but i think of baseball and otani of the angels here's a guy that has changed the game because now he's doing a dual role he pitches and he hits and in today's game you have the universal dh now Mm -hmm. in both leagues so when you talk about somebody change the aspect again um uh, um in the minor leagues where uh, pitches are now learning to hit as well and be dual players so they get more playing time. So in today's game, I would have to say Otani in Major League Baseball, and I'm sorry, I'm going to agree with you from the get-go, Desmond, here, that Tiger Woods is probably the guy that has the biggest impact. The first thing people say when they think of golf is definitely, without a doubt, Tiger Woods. Yeah, Tiger definitely got to be up there. And we'll as we get into the dog days of summer here, we usually do an annual sports Mount Rushmore, um, and Tiger's typically on it uh, and well-deserved. So we'll see who makes it this year. Um, the first name I wrote down actually was Steph Curry. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with the, the amount of time I've spent in high school gyms the past two years doing high school basketball games, where I just – I remember I graduated from high school in 96 – and it was still an inside-out game. Like you had to have kind of a big man to kind of control the pace of the game. You throw it into him. You, it's easier to get a bucket from two feet than it is from twenty feet. And that was the the philosophy. And you kind of maybe surround them with shooters, maybe a slasher here and there, that kind of thing. But that was kind of the way you built your team. Now it's like it's from the outside in. Like teams are playing with like three guards or uh, not even a true center. Uh, they don't really concern themselves with post up or anything like that. It's really more moving without the ball and 
shooting threes, uh, you know, three pointers bigger than two, that kind of thing. Steph kind of ushered all that in. And I don't know if he, well, I know he didn't intend to do it. It feels like his game was built that way because he was so small. He couldn't drive as much as he probably wanted to and had to adjust to just shoot over people and got so good at doing it that it kind of became his, his calling card. Now in high school, man, I see it drives me nuts. <laughs> I see dudes coming across the half court line and launching threes from like 27 feet, like in high school. And I'm just like, and the coach, it's like just looking at it like they expect it, like they see it in practice all the time. And to me, that's the Steph Curry effect. Maybe James Harden to a certain degree, too, with that that traveling step back three thing he does. Because I still say that's traveling. I don't care what a ref tells me. I don't care what the, what the rule book says. I see it. That's traveling. You're you're hopping twice and shooting the ball. That's that's traveling. You've moved your feet four times. But they counted as uh, legit. And a perfect example of that, full circle, going back to LeBron, LeBron has adapted that into his game. LeBron didn't have a step back jumper when he came into the league, but now you see him do it all the time. Like, you know, he'll he'll dribble top to key, take a couple steps back and shoot a three. He got that from watching James Harden and Steph Curry, mainly Steph Curry. Um, I thought it was interesting this week that LeBron, uh, to your point, uh, Sam, how uh, he knows how to control the media and whatnot, how he let it get out there that he wants to play with Steph Curry. I just laughed. I was like, what? <laughs> well, <laughs> now, in, in LeBron's defense on that now, they asked LeBron a question, Dez, and he was only answering the question. <laughs> nah, he never he just really, answered a question. I don't he think knew. he really put it out there saying that he really wanted to play with Steph. <laughs> I think because they, they asked him, they said, hey, in today's game, who would be another person that you would like to play with? No different than LeBron changing the game when he wanted to play with his buddy Dwayne Wade, and he took he off just, to Miami. So now they're just AD. asking him a question. Hey, <laughs> who you want to play with now? You know what I mean? He game. should have been like, hey, I got my guy. I got AD. <laughs> we got a ring together. We're we going to be hard, uh, hard next year. I already got my dude. Now, what does LeBron do? Oh, Steph Curry, without question. I love play State. He's my favorite. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, come on, man. You know what they're going to do with your words. You know what they're going to do. Now the whole the whole story during the playoffs is going to be, how does LeBron figure out a way to get to Golden State? Like, and it, and well, it, well, Steph Curry too. shut it down. If you he recall, did. Steph Curry was like, <laughs> I'm good. We good where we at. Like, you we know, played against an all-star team. <laughs> yeah, And guys, you got you got to remember something. LeBron James is media-driven. Steph Curry is performance-driven. So when you look at kids of today's generation, now when we, not 15 years ago when LeBron came in the league, kids, without saying it, act more Steph Curry that play basketball today than act like LeBron James. They want to be that three-point shooter. Um, yes. What Curry just recently broke the three-point record of all time. His dad was a great three-point shooter. I mean, so when you look at the game of basketball and today, and I'm talking high school kids like Desmond's talking, I think without a doubt, Desmond's 100% correct. I see more kids acting like they may not be wearing Curry shirts and jerseys, but they're acting and performing more like Steph Curry today than they are LeBron James. Steph, well, and, and his, his shoes are like orthopedic shoes, so kids don't really get up for Curry's. You know what I mean? The Under Armour's, <laughs> they're like nurse shoes. like So they don't really... <laughs> they, they can't gravitate to them the same way materialistically, I guess, but absolutely on the court. I see more kids emulating Steph Curry than I do. Well, Steph way easier player. to imitate than LeBron James also. Like, right. Steph looks like a normal like, human being. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he's one of us. Like, he's, yeah, like, yeah, you, yeah. you don't see a lot of like LeBron James running, walking around. <laughs> LeBron's like a monster. So it's yeah. like, it's kind of hard to fathom. Well, one day I'll be 6'9", 250, and can run a 4'5", 40, and jump 
40 inch vertical like it's just kind of hard to put that together we got to take a quick break when we come back though we're gonna circle back around to the masters i believe they've already started uh we'll look at the leaderboard and of course the biggest story of it we probably honestly we wouldn't even be talking about the masters on the rundown unless tiger woods was involved in it and lo and behold mr woods drove up to augusta and he's uh trying to do something he, he might stick around and have a red shirt on on sunday we don't know so we'll check this out here in just a bit stick around you're locked into two hours of the rundown here on WWBG 1470 AM and TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. If you want to join in on any of the topics we're talking about this morning, you can definitely do so. Go to the video version of this on Facebook Watch or YouTube. It's also on Twitter and LinkedIn. Type in your take, type in your comment, type in your question. We will answer it live on the air. We'll be back in just a bit. You're listening to The Rundown. You're listening to The Rundown with Desmond Johnson. Blue Naples Pizzeria in Kernersville is now hiring. Come work for one of the best Italian restaurants in the triad. Currently hiring dishwashers, cooks, front cashiers, and more. Great hours, great pay. Give them a call at 336-993-7707 or stop by and inquire at 1519 Union Cross Road in Kernersville. Start working this week. Blue Naples Pizza. Kim Source Direct is a single source supplier. In business since 2007, they have over 80,000 products for customers just like you. Located in the heart of North Carolina, they supply cleaning products all throughout the Southeast. Whether you're a commercial business, office, or municipal building, looking for wholesale cleaning products, chemicals, cleaning equipment, or service, they've got you covered. Please reach out and start saving money today. Stop by their store open to the public and save. Kim Source Direct, 1207 South Park Drive in Kernersville. Give them a call at 336-515-9990. Order from the website at kimsourcedirect.com. TRSR Triad Hot Deals, the top deals on sports tickets, dining, and fun in the triad. Visit trsrtriadhotdeals.com right now and sign up to get the best area deals in the triad every week. Powered by Tobacco Road Sports Radio and SportsCarolinaMonthly.com. This month, save big on Carolina Cobra season tickets. Go to seven home games this season for only $45. That's an $80 value. Buy your 2022 season ticket package now with this exclusive deal from Triad Hot Deals. Visit trsrtriadhotdeals.com. Visit the sports tab and secure your package. Limited number available. That's trsrtriadhotdeals.com. Area softball stars. Register for the Diamond Star Softball Transfer Portal Showcase June 14th and 15th at Bob Lewis Park in Asheville, North Carolina. This showcase is for any player currently in the transfer portal or any JUCO player. Get the opportunity to showcase your skills in front of college coaches from all levels. Over the two-day event, players participate in evaluations such as softball skills and metrics by college sports evaluations, drill and team practice participation, and playing in three games. For more information, visit DiamondStarEvents.net or email Coach Ben McKinney at bmckinney at DiamondStarEvents.net. Maylor Family Chiropractic and Acupuncture, located at 205 North Cherry Street in Kernersville, is your family chiropractor. Dr. Maylor's goal is to treat and correct the underlying cause of patient symptoms to alleviate pain and to restore balance. Maylor Chiropractic treats pain, sports injuries, injuries from auto accidents, and much more. Start performing to the best of your ability pain-free. Give them a call and set your appointment today at 336-996-3737. Maylor Chiropractic in Kernersville. Franchise players. Welcome back. Sports Channel 8's Ben Swain. How you doing, man? I love that you guys are doing what you're doing. I love that we're doing what we're doing because... 
the local sports fan is really underserved in, uh, in, in sports radio here in, in North Carolina. Being able to, Monday morning after the New Carolina game, being able to listen to local guys talk about the local game. Franchise players every Friday afternoon at 5 p.m. on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com and at 6 p.m. on WCOG 1320 a.m. and WTOB 988. IdeaCom NC, a trusted telecommunications company with 60 years of experience in unified communications. IdeaCom is about more than just phone systems. They provide a full range of communication solutions. Whether your business is big or small, from churches to schools to fire departments, depend on the best in cabling, phone systems, IT support, and more from IdeaCom of Central North Carolina. Top-rated customer service that cares about your business needs. Check out all the host of solutions at IdeaComNC.com or call at 336 Six eight five four 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 five five. IdeaCom NC. This is Coach Rez, head coach of your Carolina Cobras Arena Football Team. You're listening to TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com, your home for triad sports. And you know this, man. Back to the rundown with Desmond Johnson. Welcome back into the rundown here on WWBG 1470 AM and Tobacco Road Sports Johnson here with you on a beautiful Saturday morning here in the triad. About a week away from Easter weekend. We will be off next weekend due to the holiday. Uh, franchise players on Fridays is also off, as is the score. So our TGIF lineup is off uh, next week as well. Uh, for Good Friday, we will be back the following week with new episodes of Franchise Players to Score with Brett Wiseman and The Rundown. Tiger Woods, this just in actually, had just put out via ESPN.com. He tweeted that he will be heading to Augusta today to continue his preparation and practice. It will be a game time decision on whether he competes today. Tiger currently right now looking at the leaderboard he is in he's tied for 19th place he is one over par he is scheduled to tee off at 1 p.m in a group with Kevin Kaisner Webb Simpson oh no it's just him and Kevin Kaisner Webb Simpson and Patrick uh Cantlay go at 110 uh p.m Tiger shot a 71 opening round 74 yesterday um I actually after I'd gotten back from that anniversary trip I was like, you know what? I'm going to lay on the couch and watch all the Masters and do nothing for a little bit. And it was great. Um, the whole field was struggling due to weather. Storms, of course, we got a little bit of the tail end of that up here in North Carolina. But uh, dangerous weather across the southeast over the past couple of days made for crazy conditions at the Masters. The temperature dropped like 15 degrees from uh, from Thursday to Friday. Uh, winds. Uh, was, everybody was struggling a little bit, especially the opening part of uh, of round two. But I wanted to focus on Tiger Woods and his impact on speaking of impact on sports, uh, his impact on golf, because if Tiger Woods wasn't playing, I probably wouldn't be watching the Masters, to be honest. Uh, is it is it good or bad that Tiger Woods is back at the Masters? And that's a question that I've not heard asked by anyone. Everyone's just like, oh, Tiger's back. We got to watch this thing. Is it good that they need Tiger to draw these kind of eyeballs to their sport? Because eventually we're seeing the, the the mortality of Tiger Woods here. Like, you know, he's limping around. He's using his cane or his club as a cane pretty much half the time. You can tell he's still not 100%. He's basically walking on a metal leg. And, he, and the fact that he's even competing at the Masters and has a chance to do something on a metal leg 
is a testament to Tiger Woods itself. But my question is, for the sport of golf, is it really a good thing that Tiger Woods is back so quick uh, for the Masters? And actually, Larry, I want to start off with you real quick on that. Uh, give me your ideas on this. Is it a good thing or a bad thing for golf that Tiger Woods is back? I think it's both. And I'll tell you why. Number one, they needed Tiger Woods back because it's not getting the publicity and the notoriety like you just said. Would you have watched the Masters if Tiger wasn't back? Probably not. not. You know what? I wouldn't either. I agree. But what it does is it gets people to watch and look at other players that they normally would not know of or don't know of. I don't think many people that are, except if you're a real, you know, vivid golf fan, can name other golfers on the Masters right now. But yes. is now he opens up people to get back into the sport. And this is where golf has to take advantage of it. And instead of highlighting t- just Tiger, they need to find who is their next star in golf and start promoting them while Tiger is still out there so that people say, hey, you know what? There is another guy that I want to watch or another female on the female uh, side of it gonna watch but as far as tiger playing right now and you know i find it hard not to believe that his son has a lot to do with him playing right now i Mm. think he wants to show his son about the not just the art of playing golf but the art of toughness and the art to never quit and the art to give it everything you got until you don't you, you can't give it anymore and say what you want tiger is golf right now but golf is in trouble because it isn't going to be much longer. Like Des gone, and then name another golfer. Yeah, to your point, Scotty Scheffler is the leader uh, right now. Um, they just started at ten fifteen um, with uh, tees. Uh, looks like well, it'll be ten twenty. Adam Scott, Cam Davis. Lucas Glover, Mark Leishman. I don't know any of these people. <laughs> you know what I mean, like they're they're all kicking it off. Scotty Scheffler's in the lead. He's going to start at two fifty p.m. Uh, this afternoon. Hideki Matsuyama. I don't know any of these names. Like even when I was a kid, I kind of knew who the golfers were. Right now, they're in a spot. I know Harold Warner the third because he went to ECU. Um, but these other names, and actually a lot of big names, got cut uh, yesterday. Uh, Jordan Spieth, he, Brooks yeah. Koepka didn't make the cut. Um, guys that have won majors before uh that we may be kind of familiar with fred couples justin rose uh bryson dechambeau like these guys got cut yesterday like the cut line it's like the cut line was like plus uh plus five so uh that kind of brings me back to my original point uh sam your thoughts here with tiger being in the major in, in a major event like the masters that we've seen him just utterly destroy over the past 25 years does it make you want to watch the Masters more, or would you have watched the Masters either way? I don't know if you're a golf guy or or, or what, but w- would it have made you watch? Are you even going to watch with Tiger playing? If so, like if, if Tiger's playing on Sunday, I'll watch. Um, that's kind of been my that hasn't really changed. I'm not a, a golf fan per se, but like you mentioned, <clears throat> excuse me, like the the names aren't there, and which is weird to me because it's never been easier to market yourself, right? With all the different out- outlets we have now, and you have to you know, have, have both, right? You have to like get your, get your name out there, get your personality out there as well as back it up on the course. Um, that combination is rare. Um, so I don't know if, uh, if ESPN and CBS can like 
really back these people. And when you get to Master Sunday, have those packages ready, get those personality pieces out there because Tiger's not going to be around for much longer. And you have to have somebody else, to, to Larry's point, like carry the torch for the, for the uh, event itself and make new stars. Because, um, you know, I'm a... I'm a pro wrestling fan. You can't fix this like you can a pro wrestling, like you can a yeah, pro wrestling. Yeah. So you gotta like you gotta prop these guys up. And like more like, MMA is probably a better example. Like you have guys that come through um, on a regular basis and they come out, they cycle out, and you have to prop up the younger players or your younger uh, younger athletes as the draws fade away. Uh, Dana White has done a great job with that on, in, within the UFC because they do these great pieces these profile pieces on these guys get to know uh, give, them a little yeah, bit give pe- yeah. people like something to buy into and believe in whether they win or lose it doesn't matter it's like all right you care now um when you didn't before so that's kind of on the individuals on espn it's on cbs whoever's covering these games uh to to get these personalities out there rod let me ask you this question should tiger even come back because i i think he i fear that he he may enter into the the gray area of Michael Jordan's Washington Wizards or maybe even LeBron James LA Lakers like right now where he's not winning he's just there he's kind of adding to his statistics sort of he's playing for the love of the game but it may cause a dent in his legacy of how he's viewed do you think it would happen with him and now he is competing I don't expect him to win the Masters like that just seems like a uh a, like too much for my mind to wrap around for a, a dude who had a crushed leg a year ago, like just gets up and gets out of bed, works every day and wins the master's tournament a year later. Like I can't, I can't make my mind believe that that's going to happen. So I actually see it with my own eyes. Do you think that tiger should have come back or do you think that he, if he had never played golf again, I think people would consider him the greatest golfer of all time. Am I wrong? Or what are your thoughts on that? Do you think he should have came back? Do you think he should have stayed? I think the game is much better with Tiger back, to be honest with you, Dez. Uh, you know, and to me, whether or not he comes back or should have come back or should not have come back, to me, that's more of a personal decision with Tiger. And I think the reason that he came back is, number one, he loves the game of golf. And then, of course, to Larry's point, his son. You know, when you have uh, your offspring and you're trying to get them to go the way that they need to go, you know, Tiger had a father who pretty much mentored him and did the same for him. So now to me, Tiger's legacy is not going to be crushed. His legacy is not going to be stained at all just because he's not doing well. You know, when I think of Tiger's legacy, I think of a guy who really changed the game of golf. I think of a guy who brings electricity and this energy to golf and people really get into golf. But also when I think of Tiger, I think about, you know, the day after Thanksgiving when his wife beat the hell out of him. You know what I'm saying? So I think of a lot of things with Tiger. And and right now when I watch Tiger, I see a guy who's halfway mangled, but I also see a guy who could be maybe in a little better shape than what he is. Cause I'm gonna be honest with you. I watched a little bit of Tiger. uh, I think it was yesterday evening, man. Tiger looks like he's been drinking a couple of beers out there, man. He, he looks like he, I mean, he look, you know, Tiger has always had the flat stomach and, and right now he looks like he has the spare tire compliments of, I don't know, Coors Light or whoever. I mean, so he's probably getting that golfer dad body. Yeah. Because before he had like the the WWE body, like he like he'd been working out like too much. Like he was like almost getting too big before the accident. Um, (laughs) It's crazy too, because the the last memory that I have of really watching a golf tournament and enjoying it before the world got turned upside down 
was the 2019 Masters that he won. That you know, they basically, I guess it comes around my wedding anniversary like every year is around the first or second week. Well, really, first week of April, and my anniversary is the seventh. So, like, I remember, uh, we were me and my wife were leaving on a trip for the mountains uh, towards Georgia, the Georgia state line, when he was uh competing, and we were dropping off our kids at my mom and dad's house to stay the weekend. And my mom and dad didn't watch golf at all. And we walked in and the masters was on <laughs> like in the living room and my dad and mom were sitting there watching it. And I'm like, what are y'all doing? And like, we're watching Tiger Woods. And uh, I, that's when I realized, oh, he, he's actually in contention. And then realized, uh, you know, he's got the red shirt. It was a Sunday. He had the red shirt on. It was the final round. And he, my mom and dad in their 60s that don't watch golf were sitting there in trance watching Tiger Woods. And they had a billion other things they could have did, billion other things they could have watched. But they chose to watch that. And Tiger came through and won the Masters. And He's one of the few athletes out there that still have that pull on America. Like they can get, you know, it's a, it's a feeling when like you, when an event happens and you know, kind of deep down that you weren't the only person that saw this. Like it was one of those things where like, you know, like every, where were you when this happened type of event? Tiger's been in a few of those. And there's only a couple of athletes really out there today that you can put in the same atmosphere of that. Like he's, he's prone to give you a moment that you're going to remember sports fan wise at any given time and i think that's why people watch him even as he's progressing in age and getting older tiger's almost 50 years old tiger's in his what mid 40s uh we've been watching him for over 25 years so i mean he's definitely on the mount rushmore of sports of my lifetime if i had to put four sports personalities up there uh it's definitely tiger woods is going to be one of the ones up there i just i feel like people um i've heard certain takes in the media about how tiger you know tiger might win this masters and i'm just not allowing myself to believe he can actually win the masters he's he's actually right now like nine shots behind i believe it is because he's plus was he plus one mm-hmm. yeah so he's plus one the leaders at uh minus eight so he's got to make up nine strokes in the next two days now granted the course might bring scheffler back to the crowd because uh todd for second it's only uh three under so that's a little bit more you know, you get a couple birdies going. Uh, it's possible, I guess. But I, I guess my point is I'm seeing people saying that they expect Tiger Woods to win the Masters. And that's where I kind of draw the line. I'm like, you honestly, you expect him to win? <laughs> like, after all this, is that even fair? It's kind of the same people that expect Zion Williamson to change the game of basketball. When I'm sitting here like, well, first he has to change his diet. Like, he has to get on the court to change the game of basketball. Like, you know, people are putting unfair expectations on these people. And I, it just hits me a certain way. I'm just like, it's almost like we can't wait to watch it happen. We have to project that it's going to happen. And then we get disappointed when it doesn't. But we should have saw the signs that it wasn't going to happen. Like, we shouldn't prop ourselves up to think Tiger can win the Masters again when he's walking around on one leg, you know, and having to walk, what, 96 holes or whatever over four days with no cart. Like, he's going to get tired. I Honestly, after seeing that tweet, I'm not sure if he's going to play today because um, he was starting to wear down a little bit yesterday. You could see it in his walk. And uh, he does that thing where if if, uh, if something's hurt or it's a bad tee, when he hits that opening tee and he just lets that club go behind his back, that's kind of like the sign like he just hurt something. Like he hurt his back, hurt his arm, hurt his leg. Something just went, like went pop or something when he swung. And he did that yesterday. I saw him do it. I don't remember what hole it was. But once he did that, he kind of calmed down and got a couple of pars. And settled in and, and, you know, got in with the over one. But I just, I don't know. That's my feeling on it. I feel like people are kind of looking at it like Tiger Woods should be the superhuman X-Men that can just come in and, and win whenever he wants. But 
Father Tom is undefeated. Like, I think Tom Brady has fooled us into thinking that people can play professional sports into their mid 40s and 50s. And that's not you. That's not the norm. And <laughs> that usually does not happen. So I don't think we should apply it to Tiger Woods the same way it's happening with Tom Brady, uh, Aaron Rodgers, and some others. So and plus, I don't know if it's as much an expectation as it is a want. That could people be. People want yeah. Tiger Williams to win. People want Tom Brady to succeed. But at the end of the day, the uh, want and the expectation don't necessarily meet halfway. I agree with that. There, there probably is a yearning to get that feeling back, that feeling I was just talking about that only a handful of people can even present in sports, Tiger Woods being one of them. I will say this, though, now after I just went through that whole diatribe, Tiger's probably going to end up winning the Masters on one leg, and I'll have to come back here next week <laughs> when we come back on and be like, yeah, I'm sorry, I should have known it was Tiger Woods. He, that's what he does. Um, <laughs> let's let's take another quick break. When we come back, I, the main reason why I invited Sam on this week is because we had this little Hornets tidbit that came out regarding Russell Westbrook at the Lakers possibly being traded to the Hornets. I want to discuss why this is even being discussed. Is it possible? Would it work money-wise? And who does it benefit? Lakers, Celtics, I mean, not Celtics, Lakers, uh, Hornets, anyone, the league, Russell Westbrook, does it benefit anyone for this to happen? Is Michael Jordan that type of owner that would pull the trigger on a player that's scheduled to make $47 million next year? $47 million next year is what Russell Westbrook is owed. This contract has been traded around twice already. Would the Hornets step up and do this? And why would they do it? Sam Dracula, host of uh, the Believe and Charlotte Hornets podcast, is going to break this down for us, and we'll rehack here in just a bit. You're listening to The Rundown on WWBG 1470 AM and Radio.com. You're listening to The Rundown with Desmond Johnson. Blue Naples Pizzeria in Kernersville is now hiring. Come work for one of the best Italian restaurants in the triad. Currently hiring dishwashers, cooks, front cashiers, and more. Great hours, great pay. Give them a call at 336-993-7707 or stop by and inquire at 1519 Union Cross Road in Kernersville. Start working this week. Blue Naples Pizza. IdeaCom NC, a trusted telecommunications company with 60 years of experience in unified communications. IdeaCom is about more than just phone systems. They provide a full range of communication solutions. Whether your business is big or small, from churches to schools to fire departments, depend on the best in cabling, phone systems, IP support, and more from IdeaCom of Central North Carolina. Top-rated customer service that cares about your business needs. Check out all the host of solutions at IdeaComNC.com or call at 336 6-854-4455. Ideacom NC. One stop number six, located just one mile west of East Forsyth at 2748 West Mountain Street, Kernersville. A proud supporter of East Forsyth since 1983, serving fresh fried chicken and our famous taters seven days a week from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. For a limited time, grab our Wife Saper family meal for only $13.99. Eight pieces of chicken and sides for four for just $13.99. One stop. Come see us at 2748 West Mountain Street in Kernersville. 
Find your next car at Auto Store of North Carolina in Walkertown. Their goal is to make car shopping and car buying experience fast, friendly, and easy. They have helped hundreds of customers get behind the wheel of a newer, reliable, quality used car, and they could help you too. Stop by and speak with one of their sales professionals today and drive away with your new car. The Auto Store of North Carolina, 4964 Reedsville Road in Walkertown. Give them a call at 336-595-8550 and view the current inventory of vehicles at Carolina Cobras. If I take that field, if I take that field, if my Catch them all season long. That's all we got. That's all we got. On your home for triad sports. Oh, are we right here? Are we right here? Oh, we right TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. The wait is over. Simply Sonia's Southern Cuisine and Cocktails is now open. 3050 University Parkway inside the Best Western Plus Hotel. Open seven days a week starting at 11 a.m. daily. Freshly made Southern Cuisine with signature cocktails and lunch specials daily. The location for your next event with Simply Sonia's Catering Specials. Open now. Simply Sonia's Southern Cuisine and Cocktails. 3050 University Parkway inside the Best Western Plus Hotel in Winston-Salem. We love sports. Joe Lewis, the greatest boxer ever lived. Not only do we love sports, but we love to debate sports. He was bad in Cat Clay. He bad in Sugar Ray. He bad in that. Who that's you? The new boy. Mike Tyson looks like a bulldog. He bad in him, too. He done whipped Mike Tyson ass. He whipped all that. For the best sports analysis in the triad. What about Rocky Marciano? In-depth local coverage of your favorite schools and teams. Let me tell you something once all. Rocky Marciano was good. But compared to Joe Lewis, Rocky Marciano ain't and of course, the best sports debate in the triad. It's Joe Lewis's ass. Welcome to Tobacco Road Sports Radio. Joe Lewis is 75 years old when he fought. You're welcome. I don't know how old he was. He got an ass This is Coach Rez, head coach of your Carolina Cobras Arena football team. You're listening to TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com, your home for triad sports. And you know this. Man. Back to the rundown with Desmond Johnson. Welcome back into the rundown here, getting towards hour two of this two hour edition of the rundown. You can catch it every Saturday morning live on WWBG 1470 AM and tobacco road You can catch the uh, podcast version of this on any major podcast platform, anchor, Spotify, Google play, uh, iTunes, and more next week. We will be off due to the Easter holiday. So in advance, happy Easter holiday to everyone out there listening to us across the triad. We'll be back with a brand new episode the following Saturday morning uh, at 10 AM. Weird rumor came across my desk, uh, gentlemen, like yesterday, day before yesterday, where all of a sudden Russell Westbrook is being linked to the Hornets, which actually infuriated me because like two years ago, I actually wanted Russell Westbrook <laughs> to come to the Hornets. And I thought it made sense. I think he even wrote an article on it. He's on Jordan brand. Uh, Michael Jordan has been on uh, on record in the past saying Russell Westbrook's his favorite player in the league. He felt like Westbrook kind of emulates his style of play from when he played very aggressive on the offensive side of the ball. But we all kind of have witnessed 
this um, season that the Lakers just turned in that has basically uh, emasculated uh, Russell Westbrook to the point where he is a shell of what he was before in terms of perception from uh, the outside world as we bring in Sam Dracula, host of the Believe in Hornets podcast on the Believe Network. Um, starting off with you, Sam, what did you think when you heard this this uh, rumor? Not the fact that Russell Westbrook's being connected to the Hornets, but from what I'm seeing, it's showing that the Hornets are interested in trading for Russell Westbrook, which is a completely different vibe than just you know a couple sports writers saying, oh, well, Westbrook would be a good fit with the Hornets. I mean, they're basically saying it as if, yeah, the Hornets are considering maybe doing this. What are your thoughts on this? Is this just smoke? Um, I think they should consider it. Like, do their due diligence, of course, right? Ooh, here we go. <laughs> they should. But I think it it doesn't make sense to me at all. Um, I don't think it happens. I think it's counterintuitive what they're trying to do. Um, I don't know how deep you want me to go here, but... I mean, the money has to make sense first and foremost, right? So, yeah. So, like, let's start with the idea of a trade. What do the Hornets give up in a deal? Um, this is going to have to be one of, one of uh, Hayward or Terry or both to get that done. Right. And then you're talking about... It, it's for me that's a lateral move from a basketball point of view right because i would rather have terry and hayward than westbrook or because i don't view westbrook doing that much better than those guys um especially right now i know hayward has issues staying on the court that that is an issue we the hornets owe him another uh 30 million next year and the year after so getting yeah, off that years. number could be advantageous um you look at terry rozier he has a 97 million 97 million dollar contract that kicks in next year um over the course of the next four years so a lot of money being tied up with those two guys when you have Melo and miles over here on the rookie deal still miles the bill is due this summer for him Lamelo in two years and in two summers from now when hayward's contract is up so if you do that deal i i don't know how you do the deal while keeping the team at a competitive like at the same competitive level um from a salary cap point of view if you trade for westbrook you buy him out you have room to play with um, which is a positive. You get off the Hayward money sooner than expected. Then you got to trust the front office to spend that money wisely and not be in the exact same situation they are in again, right? Um, if you if you keep him, um, I'm trying not to I'm trying not to lose no, my it's mind. Crazy. Yeah, no, you good? You good? <laughs> um, the the uh, another piece of this is the mellow piece is is a massive piece of this. I think mellow can play off the ball. He showed up with Isaiah Thomas coming in. And him, um, in in this mix, he's really like thrived in that scenario, playing off the ball. But playing next to Russell Westbrook is so weird to me. I don't see how that could work out. And more importantly than anything I've said thus far, if the Hornets do anything this offseason that doesn't directly address the need for a new center and um, another guard, like that's not Russell Westbrook, just another backup guard, like a long-term solution, that's not Isaiah Thomas. I like Isaiah Thomas, but uh, he's not the long-term solution there as a backup right. point guard. Those are two big areas of need that Russell Westbrook doesn't solve. Uh, you know, Sam brings up a good point, Larry, that uh, the Hornets have other needs. Uh, this would seem like it would be a move to move money around more than anything else. Yeah. Uh, Gordon Hayward's owed $30 million. You'd have to probably throw in another player. I've heard P.J. Washington's name thrown in there, which I don't like. Um, for a guy that, yes, he was a former league MVP. Yes, he's averaged a triple-double multiple seasons uh, in the NBA. But... I don't understand how he would fit with the culture that the Hornets are building. It feels like the Hornets are trying to build a culture where everyone's around the same age and they can kind of grow together. Kind of the Golden State Warrior model where they had their pieces through the draft, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry. Uh, they grew together 
they added some vets like Iggy, you know, after they had been together a couple of years, and that's when they blossomed into what we know now as the Golden State Warriors. I thought they were following that path. Them going to get Westbrook just to get out of his contract a year later feels like it would set them back. Would this be a good idea for the Hornets to even do just to clear this money out? And if they are, what are they clearing the money out for? Uh, what are your thoughts, Larry? Well, first of all, let me say you're seeing the main difference right here between a Michael Jordan type and a LeBron James type player. Michael Jordan made everybody around him better. LeBron James makes everybody around him worse because it's LeBron James and it's all about LeBron. So let me start off by saying that first. But number two, I think I think Hayward brings more to the Hornets than Westbrook, not just from on the court, but from a leadership standpoint and what he means to this team even when he's not playing the game, he is a leader. He goes out there. He shows by example. It's contagious when he's out on the court, and it drives everybody else to be better. As far as Westbrook goes, you can't deny what type of player he's been in the past. Can he add to a team? Yes, but I don't know if it's this team because this team is more of a, on any given night, any other player could step up and this team could win. It can't be all about Russell Westbrook if he comes here, number two, the money, which um, we've talked about already, is in order for this to happen, first of all, I would think the Lakers would have to pick up some of this salary in a trade in order for it to be done. I don't think Jordan – one thing about Michael Jordan that you can't say is he's not a stupid guy. He knows his basketball, and he's not going to do something that's going to hurt this team where they're stuck with money or not – or well, or the lack of money to get other players. But, you know, I don't think a Russell Westbrook hurts the team, to answer your question, if he comes over and realizes what his role is. But if he expects to be the same Russell Westbrook that he was a couple of years ago, even before the, uh, you know, the uh, LeBron James times, it's not going to be the same. He's going to have a different role. And the big question is going to be, would he accept that role? And I honestly don't think he will. Yeah, it's almost like it echoes like the whole will Cam Newton be a backup conversation that was going on a couple of years back through Charlotte. Uh, Rod, I was actually going to ask you about that because it sounds like I've heard people say, well, it could work if Russ came in and said he would run the second unit, like almost be like like that that microwave, like instant offense type of thing. The Lakers couldn't really convince him to do that in L.A. I can't imagine Charlotte being able to convince him to do it, even if he is making close to $50 million for one season. Would it work if Russ was coming off the bench, or is this just the idea that needs to be scrapped? <laughs> like, is this something we just need to toss it off and be like, nah, this ain't gonna work? Dan, I'm not sure about the idea, but I'm going to either ask you or remind you of something. How long has it been, and how long have you been complaining about the moves that Michael Jordan has made from a business standpoint of you thinking that he's doing this with the team, he winds up doing something else, or even from a GM standpoint, where you think he's going to give full control and he's going to back out, but he doesn't back out. And at the end of the day, Dez, I believe I've heard you say, how come Michael Jordan never wants to pay anybody? Am I just having, you know, uh, delusions of grandeur or have we actually had that conversation before? No, we, have I heard you say lunch. that before? <laughs> actually, right, so, right around so, this time of the year, actually. Exactly. Now I think about it, yeah. Every <laughs> single year you go through this and he has you pulling your hair out every single year, Dan. You see, and you see what the result has been. <laughs> and, so and this is it again. 
Jordan doesn't want to pay, repay that remaining $60 million on a Gordon Hayward contract where Gordon Hayward's hardly ever there. He really doesn't want Terry Rozier to uh, get this $97 million that's getting ready to start next year. What did he do with your point guard who was supposed to make a whole bunch of money a couple years ago? Did he wind up in Boston or somewhere else? Yeah, I was worried. Isn't that New York? Still? Well, he's in New York he's now, New York but now. I mean, when he he's left. around a little bit, yeah. But when he left that worked out. Charlotte. Yeah, yeah, that did work out. That, worked, yeah. that actually yeah, that worked, worked out. out. They, they figured the, that, that was actually there, the turning point. It was a good workout. But at the end of the day, Jordan just didn't want to pay anybody the money. I mean, we have had that conversation. So here, he'll get rid of $60 million, $97 million. Yeah, he'll pick up $47 million for Russell Westbrook, but it'll only be for one year. And then he'll start looking at the draft again, figuring out who he can get in, and then maybe he'll get ready and pay LaMelo a little something. You know, hopefully LaMelo's father won't get involved, so he'll try and pay him a little something. But at the end of the day, if Jordan winds up having to pay any of the guys left on his team a bunch of money, we won't see them long. We may see them one or two years of their contract. Then they're going to be out of here. That has been the cycle of what Jordan has been doing with the Hornets. And I'm going to be honest with you. I don't expect at the end because if I did, that would be the definition of insanity because we've seen the same thing every single year, Dez, and we've talked about it every single year. I do. I do. To a degree, I understand Jordan's logic of not overpaying because we've been bitten in the you know in the butt before overpaying guys we thought were going to perform and then they didn't so i understand the the tentativeness to get to throw a lot of money at certain players um lamello gonna get his money like if they let lamello go like that's gonna be the end of jordan and the carolinas like i think lamello's gotten to a point where everyone recognizes they need to build around lamello ball so he's gonna get a max deal it, bar, him staying healthy is gonna be the key but uh he'll be fine the gordon hayward thing i think was more they couldn't attract free agents to come here at the time because we didn't have, you know, yeah. Lamello, or we didn't know what Lamelo was going to be. Yeah, yeah, so nobody yeah. wanted to come here, so you have to overpay to get them to get here. And Gordon was that guy that decided to do that. Now, granted, it hadn't worked out. He's been hurt. And uh, I think if he hadn't been hurt, uh, the situation would look t- drastically different because uh, the Hornets play a lot differently when Hayward's on the floor. He's just hardly ever on the floor. Um if I'm not mistaken, Sam, he's supposed to be coming back. Uh, did he come yeah. back last game? Or he came, he came back for the Sixers. They lost by 30, and he has been back since. <laughs> oh, they brought him back for that. He's been out with, with foot soreness last three games. Oh, no, two games, no. and so we'll see what happens uh, tomorrow. Oh, um, but yeah, they they, they they rushed him back. I don't think rushed him back. Rushed is too strong. I don't even know. Yeah, I was saying rushed him back. He and uh, he missed 22 games. Like, what do you want? Like, <laughs> and that's what you got to ask yourself. Play 17 question, guys. Nobody can deny the play that Gordon Haywood yeah, is when exactly. he's healthy, but is it worth $30 million to have him on the bench half the, I mean, off the court half the year? It isn't. And I'm a big Gordon Haywood fan. I'll tell you guys when he's on the court, but from a money standpoint and a business standpoint, it's not worth paying a guy $30 million to have him play 20 games and that's it yeah. during the year. Yeah, they're going to have to figure out what to do with Hayward uh, in the offseason. The, the Hornets fighting for playoff positioning. Uh, I've already clinched the playing uh, spot. They can finish no lower than 10th. Depending on what happens Sunday, they could finish as high as 7th, which is uh, actually drastically different than 10th. 10th, you got to win a couple of games just to get to the regular playoffs. Uh, 7th, if I'm not mistaken, the, the Nets are in and, seventh now. Yeah, so they would just have a one game type. Wait, wait, deal. say that, that again. Game. Hold on a minute. Say that again. I want to hear that because so I said like, something a couple of weeks ago about 
watch out for the Nets, and everybody laughed at me. <laughs> I didn't laugh at you, Larry. No, Larry, I didn't laugh at you, Larry. It wasn't me. I didn't laugh at you. I, I, I think we were more concerned about, like, um, and we're actually about to talk about this in the next segment, a quick segue. Uh, we've got Learfield uh, host Ryan Smith and Locked on ACC podcast host Candace Cooper uh, joining in for hour two. Larry's going to stick around. Uh, I think Sam and Rod are about to head out. Uh, we're going to take another quick break, start hour two, and we'll actually get on that. Who who are the great teams in this year's NBA? Because I'm sitting here looking at the standings, and whoever wins the Eastern Conference, it looks like it's going to be Miami. They're going to have, what, like 50 wins, Sam? That's like it? Like yeah, much? they are 53 right now. They have 53. Yeah. Meanwhile, on the other side, Phoenix has over 60 wins, and they've had it for 64. a bit, and they're kind of cruising. Um, but if you look at the standings, it's like, who do you pick out of these teams that are considered a – great team because it feels like there's not really a great team even with phoenix over 60 wins this year we'll talk about that after a really quick break we're about to head into hour two just to run down wwbg 1470 am and tobacco road listening to the rundown with desmond johnson Kim Source Direct is a single source supplier. In business since 2007, they have over 80,000 products for customers just like you. Located in the heart of North Carolina, they supply cleaning products all throughout the Southeast. Whether you're a commercial business, office, or municipal building, looking for wholesale cleaning products, chemicals, cleaning equipment, or service, they've got you covered. Please reach out and start saving money today. Stop by their store open to the public and save. Kim Source Direct, 1207 South Park Drive in Kernersville. Give them a call at 336-515-9990. Order from the website at kimsourcedirect.com. Maylor Family Chiropractic and Acupuncture, located at 205 North Cherry Street in Kernersville, is your family chiropractor. Dr. Maylor's goal is to treat and correct the underlying cause of patient symptoms to alleviate pain and to restore balance. Maylor Chiropractic treats pain, sports injuries, injuries from auto accidents, and much more. Start performing to the best of your ability pain-free. Give them a call and set your appointment today at 336-996-3737. Maylor Chiropractic in Kernersville. Blue Naples Pizzeria in Kernersville is now hiring. Come work for one of the best Italian restaurants in the triad. Currently hiring dishwashers, cooks, front cashiers, and more. Great hours, great pay. Give them a call at 336-993-7707 or stop by and inquire at 1519 Union Cross Road in Kernersville. Start working this week. Blue Naples Pizza. Beamer Tire and Auto Repair. Now with three locations across the triad in High Point, Greensboro, and our new location in Kernersville. Beamer Tire and Auto offers full-service auto repair. All tire brands, free alignment checks, oil changes, and more. In Kernersville, check out the no appointment needed quick lube shop. Check out their thousands of five-star ratings via Google and Yelp. They care because they know that you can go anywhere. So try a shop with a beating heart, not a bottom line. Beamer Tire and Auto Repair. Visit us on Facebook or at BeamerTire.com. The wait is over. Simply Sonia's Southern Cuisine and Cocktails is now open. 3050 University Parkway inside the Best Western Plus Hotel. Open seven days a week starting at 11 a.m. daily. Freshly made Southern Cuisine with signature cocktails and lunch specials daily. The location for your next event with Simply Sonia's Catering Specials. Open now. Simply Sonia's Southern Cuisine and Cocktails. 3050 University Parkway inside the Best Western Plus Hotel in Winston-Salem. Back to the Rundown with Desmond Johnson. 
Welcome back to The Rundown here on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com and WWBG 1470 AM here in the triad of beautiful North Carolina. It's a beautiful Saturday morning here in the Winston-Salem, Greensboro, High Point area. Um, breaking news, actually, that I just saw come across my Twitter account. Uh, a bit of sad news here. Dwayne Haskins, a standout quarterback at Ohio State before struggling to catch on with Washington and Pittsburgh in the NFL, died this morning when he got hit by a car in South Florida per his agent, Cedric Saunders. Haskins would have been 25 years old on May the 3rd. He was in the Pittsburgh Steelers organization, actually. Um, had an opportunity to get some some run this year with the retirement of Ben Roethlisberger. So our, uh, our thoughts and prayers go out to Dwayne Haskins' family. It's a sad situation there. As we, if we get more info on that, as we're still on the air, we'll definitely pass that along uh, to you. But uh, that just crossed up my Twitter per Adam Schefter over at ESPN. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that news as well. Joining us right now for hour two, she is the host of Locked On ACC podcast, Candace Cooper, friend of the program, and. Sam sticking around with us, host of the Believe in Hornets podcast, and he is a, a studio host for Learfield and also the host of Where Are They Now? Tried All-Stars High School Edition here on Tobacco Road Sports Radio that you can catch pretty much every week. Ryan Smith joining the show. Um, I wanted to get into the NBA real quick because we are a week away from the NBA playoffs really kind of kicking off here, and I'm looking at the standings um, in the NBA and there's not really a team that kind of pops out to me as like a squad that feels like they're like a quote unquote great team. I know the Suns have 64 wins. Uh, they've been kind of cruising through the West. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of looking at it like, am I missing a team that I should be paying more attention to as we go into the, uh, the NBA playoffs? And is it crazy that all of the national media still feels the Brooklyn Nets are the team to beat in the Eastern Conference as they're sitting here in the seventh seed with a 43-38 and 38 record. Uh, they've been the biggest what-if, probably sports story of my lifetime. They have not really amounted to anything that people projected a couple years ago when they got put together, but the national media just refuses to let the idea go that the Brooklyn Nets are going to be uh, the next best thing since sliced bread. Um, Candace, let's bring you in first here. What are your thoughts on this NBA season as a whole? Is there a team out there I should be looking at and paying more attention to as we're about to start these playoffs? Because it feels like it's a bunch of new up-and-coming type teams, not like traditional uh, squads that are kind of taking their place at the top of the NBA right now. Yeah, so thanks so much for having me. I definitely spend my world into college sports, so I am definitely an NBA casual, so all of my takes are super lighthearted. And You're I'm like, John, here. Yeah. <laughs> John Morant, okay, I see some highlights, right? Let's, I feel like the Grizzlies might have a chance. You never know. But the Nets, it could be a revenge tour. We know we love tours around here for Kyrie Irving and Duke family. So oh. you know, it's all it's all about a good you know revenge and getting things right. So it, could, it could be that. Okay, you saw you what did. I did there. Yeah, love that. that. Uh, I think the Nets have a great opportunity in front of them. I mean, he's well-rested. You know, he knows that he could just get in there and do what he has to do for a couple games, a couple series. So I don't know why you sh- anyone would sleep on the Nets. But as well as the Heat, I think they have a good synergy. I think they love playing with each other. You can just tell by that. And so I, th- I like their flow. But I'm never going to deny, you know, the Bucks and Giannis and just how he can turn it on when he wants to. You know, he can make a couple free throws. We're good to go. So, you know, <laughs> it's anybody's game in the East. I think when it comes to the West, the Suns always look good. But Chris Paul, Paul always kind of falls short of the actual thing, so you never know. I, I don't, I don't put too much in a regular season, but the Warriors 
Steph Curry could shoot you out the gym. So yeah. I love how Kansas best. came in with a flamethrower. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, across all of it. You know? <laughs> Ryan, what are your thoughts on the NBA season so far? Is there a team you're looking at that's like that team could get there that nobody's really talking about? Yeah, Desmond, and thanks for having me on. And Candace kind of stole my thunder there. The Warriors, we're all looking overlooking them. It's they had a dynasty, the run, and then it ended where they lost some players. But at the end of the day, Steph Curry can shoot you out the gym. Jamon Green is always a force down low. And they're coached by one of the best and Steve Kerr. And they've got the experience, which some of these teams like the Nets, the 76ers, they don't have that playoff experience experience counts in the NBA and the regular season is just different. Like Candace was saying than the playoffs. Uh, Larry, your thoughts here. Is there a team that we're not thinking about? Actually, when Candace mentioned Milwaukee, I, it kind of reminded me how they might be the most disrespected defending champion of all time. Cause we're not talking about them. They're just kind of cruising along. Uh, they, they probably got one of the top defenses in the league. They're 51 and 30. Uh, they've won three straight. They're second in the East. They're probably, I would say they're better than the Heat uh, just from the experience of last year. But it feels like everyone's trying to go out of their way to not talk about the Bucs. They, they've talked about the Celtics. They've talked about Harden and the 76ers. They've talked about the Nets. They've talked about everybody except for the defending, uh, the defending champs. What are your thoughts on this? What team should we really be paying attention to in the NBA as we're about to get uh, ready for the NBA playoffs? You know, if you asked me a couple of weeks ago before the big injury, I would have said watch out for the Celtics. But now with them being injury prone, uh, it changes their game dramatically. I agree um, that Golden State is under the radar. When you have a team like Phoenix that is just running away with it in that uh, division or that conference, whatever you want to call it, 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 you kind of play under the radar. And I think there's a lot more pressure on Phoenix right now to win and then there is Golden State because of that. But if you're asking for a sleeper, and I've said it what you on the show here a couple weeks ago, we just mentioned in the first hour, the New Jersey Nets are healthy. Uh, or the Brooklyn Nets, I still call them the New Jersey Nets. They're healthy when you got Irving they still, they and still, Curry. Even, even the state of New York treats them as if they're still in New Jersey. So it, it's, it's okay to call them New Jersey, <laughs> even though they're in Brooklyn. It's fine. <laughs> but when you look at that team and you talk, you know, look at this. Now they changed the rules with the epidemic. Uh, I think baseball had a lot to do with that. Uh, that's just my opinion on it. But now you don't have to worry about another issue that you shouldn't be worrying about when you're playing with basketball as far as the game goes itself. But Brooklyn here is, yes, the media is on them. They didn't play well. But, Desmond, how many times have we talked about in previous shows and previous sports it's not the team with the best record going into the playoffs. It's the team playing the best basketball going into the playoffs. And watch out. The Nets, are, what are they? I think um, I don't have the standings in front of me. Seventh um, right they're, now. They're in the seventh, yeah, they're in the seventh in seed. The, but they are they have this weird thing. The Nets are in seventh. The Cavaliers are in eighth. The Hawks are in ninth. The Hornets are in tenth. The Hawks and the Hornets are both tied at 42 and 39. The Nets and the Cavaliers right. are both tied at 43 and 38. So really it's a tie for seventh, a tie for ninth. And depending on what happens Sunday, as we bring back in Sam Dracula, the host of the Believe in Hornets podcast, Sam, do you expect the Hornets to A, get out of the play-in, B, actually win a series? Uh, because whoever gets out of this play-in, depending on what where they are, uh, seventh or eighth, 
they're going to end up having to play probably either the Miami Heat or the Milwaukee Bucks in the first round. What are the odds that the uh, LaMelo Ball Charlotte Hornets can actually, A, get out of the play-in round, which they did not do last year, and if, if they do that, actually have a competitive series against either Miami or, or Milwaukee? So to get through the play-in, I think they have an excellent opportunity to do so, whether they have home court or not. Um, you know, Matt, they match up well against the Hawks. I pay, I think the Nets beat the Cavs. Like, if everything holds, like, who knows what happens tomorrow. But if everything holds, the Hornets play the Hawks. I think the Hornets have an excellent shot against them. And then the Cavs are very injured right now. No Allen, no Mobley. Two bigs off the table, which favors the Hornets. They struggle against teams with skilled bigs. So that makes that battle way easier, way simpler. And so in that case, they win. They play the Heat. No, they can't have no. I don't think they have any shot in the world to advance past the first round, but I think they could take a game off anybody in the Eastern Conference, regardless of who they play. I think they'll be a tough out, but it'll probably be a five, five game series, six game series at best if they make it to the first round. They're just not there yet. They're not at that point um, in their, the, the team's trajectory. Like they can build on this. They have to avenge last year's playing fiasco. That's the main thing. They showed up unprepared and uninterested against the Pacers, against the Pacers team who were imploding that that franchise was in the midst of an implode yeah. and they blew the hornets out they, 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 you thought if you didn't know better you would think it was the other way around and they got to avenge that in the first uh in the first playing game and after that i think anything, anything can happen but i don't think they advance out the first round no matter who they play against and, and hornets fans uh as we pivot here uh, and talk acc big four real quick we're going to go through the uh go through the commercial break and keep it right here Hornets fans have to realize, I think this season made Hornets fans believe that they were ahead of schedule. And in fact, we're probably right on schedule, like where we're supposed to be. Like if we had this record two years ago, I think I saw we'd be like a seventh seed automatically or something in the Eastern Conference. Like we're, we are improving. They're a very young unit, uh, these Charlotte Hornets. I think next year is the year where you really could look, depending on what they do in the offseason, depending on what happens in the draft, to see Charlotte really make that move from the bottom tier of fringe Eastern Conference playoff teams to that middle ground where you've got the likes of Philly, Toronto, the Bulls, uh, the Celtics, that kind of, I think they can move up in there. It's really not that much of a separation. I mean, the Hornets are 42 and 39. Finally got a winning record, locked in. Yeah. Above 500 for the season. We take So, I mean, and that's great. So, I mean, I I feel like the Hornets are are looking up. So, we'll, we'll see what they do. And we'll talk more NBA uh, playoffs as we get closer to that. I want to pivot over to ACC Big Four with the college basketball season officially ending and uh, us having the pleasure of having Miss Candace Cooper on here, the Locked on ACC podcast host. I wanted to pick her brain a little bit about uh, the future of the ACC Big Four in terms of basketball. There's a lot of turnovers happening over the past 12 months. Uh, let's just go ahead and get Wake Forest and, and NC State out of the way. I'm sorry, Wolfpack and Deacon fans. Like, let's just go ahead and get you guys situated here. Uh, let's start with NC State because I just saw this morning that Cam Hayes is transferring to LSU, I believe I saw. Um, why can't Kevin Keats keep his players in Raleigh? Because he's had like what, like four kids, five kids transfer out in the past like year or two. What's going on? Yeah, you know, I think a couple aren't his fault. Like, if somebody decides they want to go to the league and they want to take the G League route, like, what can you do, really? I think for some other situations, familial, it probably is a better, you know, spot for you to go further than be around your family. You know how that goes. Like, they just need a new atmosphere. And then with Manny Bates, it's kind of like, what's the point of staying around, right? You've done all you need to do. It didn't work out. And sometimes you just need, again, a better environment, a better atmosphere, another run at things. And so, unfortunately, you know, 
30 seconds into his season, it just didn't go how they expected, and he was the glue for them. So I, I really feel like Keats just needs to have one good year where he finds that synergy of a portal and kind of handles things differently. This is the make-or-break year for him, and he knows that. I mean, I think we all know that. It's going to take at least a – well, I wouldn't say a winning record. It's going to take a lot. They're going to have to beat a couple good teams and make a good run in the ACC tournament and maybe make the NCAA tournament stick around. And even then, I don't know if that's going to be enough. Yeah, it's a lot he, of pressure. Just, <laughs> he just got an automatic extension too on top of this. So like yeah. Wolfpack Nation's going crazy. They're like, what? You like, know, Boo, Boo loves him. Boo is very trusting of him. He understands the NCAA was hanging over their heads. And we all know when allegations and charges come over you, people want to give a little benefit of the doubt. But uh, I, I think he knows that it's they'll they'll figure it out. And NC, NC State um, will find the money to get rid of him if need be. And then you got Wake Forest where – Alondis Williams already declared he's going to the NBA draft. I don't think he had eligibility left anyway, so he was going to mm-hmm. be gone. Uh, I thought I saw Jake LaRavia is going to test, test the waters, the yeah. uh, but not retain an agent, so he could possibly return. Uh, Damian Williamson, uh, I think, is doing the same. Mm-hmm. Um, thoughts on what Coach Steve Forbes has got over there? Because on one hand, it felt like, okay, he's building something that's going to be really great, but when you look at what he built, a lot of it was on – sand kind of because it came in through the transfer portal so it's like what do you have that's going to be here next year uh i don't think that well let me ask you guys do you think wake can duplicate or surpass what they did this past year next year in the acc yeah i mean i think we've seen success with forbes and his transfer portal abilities so if he finds the right pieces obviously he knows he has a coaching style that if guys buy in they'll have a good run so i don't know if you get an alanis william you know ac player of the year but you definitely get guys who know that you can have success with coach so i don't see why it can't work out again but you know for him just in general i think he's building something and the energy of wake forest is changing um so ryan I couldn't remember what what school are you the studio host for at Learfield again? Air Force. Air Force. That's right. So you're around. I know that uh, IMG and Learfield merged last year. I believe it was. So Correct. Uh, properties like North Carolina that were with Learfield are now in this bigger thing. And uh, I was a studio host at IMG for Charlotte for a year, um, a couple about four years ago, I believe it was. Um, and it happened to be like the worst year in Charlotte athletics. The the football team went one and ten. Uh, the basketball team went five and 27. It, it was a long year for me. Um, <laughs> just getting through uh, that season. But um, with Carolina and Duke being in that building now at Learfield, I'm sure you've had a chance to talk to uh, folks that deal with both of those programs. And I'm sure that they had a lot, a gamut of emotions throughout the past couple of weeks. Let's start off with Duke because Duke just signed another five-star kid last night. Uh, John Shire has like a crop of five stars coming in over 2022 and 2023 do you think there'll be a drop-off at duke uh with coach k finally getting the hell out of here like gone bye go and and he even squashed the whole tom brady rumor because people were trying to put that out there like oh he might come back he might do a tom brady he's like nah this is it this is a wrap i'm done do you think that duke will drop off the same way indiana did or ucla did when their legendary coaches finally left after a long period of time ucla they've had some spurts Indiana still never really got it completely back. What are your thoughts on this with Duke? Because, you know, it's one thing to have these five-star recruits coming in, but another to actually win with them. Correct. And John Shire has experience at the end of the day. That's something I don't think a lot of the Indiana people had. John Shire has that experience on the bench. He rose his way up. Yes, he's not Coach K, but 
Coach K will remain around the program. He's not going to keep his little fancy office in Cameron, but he is going to be there. He even said on a few podcasts, I'm going to have a different relationship with our recruits, but it's still a relationship with them, still building that context with them. And I would also not underestimate Duke losing Nolan Smith to Louisville. That is going to be a very huge loss for Shire. He has brought in a few th- um, reinforcements, Mike Shiraj from Elon and, and others to replace Nolan Smith, but that's going to be a huge loss for them. I think if he keeps bringing in five-star number one recruiting classes, they're in good shape, but no, I, I think it it's going to be, there will be a slight drop-off as they learn and develop under Shire and he kind of develops his culture, his way of doing things, but the short answer to your question is I still think they're going to be Duke. So Duke has now landed. Now this is the class of 2023. Uh, so this will be the guys coming in after next season, but they have now landed five of the top 25 prospects in the class of 2023 with the signing of McKenzie M- Mabako. Please excuse me if I'm not, <laughs> it's still fresh. We'll get it together before he gets to Duke. Uh, he's number five in that class. He signed last night. Number 14, Caleb Foster is signed. Number 17, Tyrese Proctor is signed. Uh, number 23, Sean Stewart. Number 24, Jarrett McCain. So, uh John Shire out here just bringing in everybody like it's almost like he's he's upped the level of what Duke was doing recruiting wise once he got full reins of this um Larry your thoughts on this because we just saw the secession plan work in Carolina with Hubert Davis basically the same model he sat at the feet of a legend for you know nine years learning how to do this and um it took some time for half the fan base to kind of come around on Hubert uh but him doing this Final Four run, I think, kind of cemented him in the eyes of majority Carolina uh, Tar Heel Nation that he's the guy going forward. Uh, Duke's about to go through something they haven't gone through in over 40 years, and that's replacing the head coach of the basketball team after unprecedented success. Uh, K is the brand. You know what I mean? Like, there's schools that have brands, but there's, sometimes there's, the coach is bigger than the brand, and K is Duke. Like, I can't separate the two. So next year's going to be really weird seeing John Shire on the sideline. But what are your thoughts? Do you think Shire can actually do what Hubert just did and have the same type of success with technically better talent on paper? I actually think he can. And uh, a couple of reasons. Number one, you know, the coaches is are involved in recruiting. And it's a very big part of the game. Coach K, obviously, uh, you know, his name itself recruits people. But at the end of the day, it's the players on the court that play the game of basketball. How well can John coach these players and how well can he get them to do the things they need to do to win? Duke has, you know, probably one of the youngest teams. Don't quote me on this because I don't have it in front of the front of me. But one of the youngest teams, I think, in the ACC coming back next year. So when you look at the talent they displayed this year, what makes you think that uh, they they won't go ahead and play as well, if not better, next year. I think the bigger question in the ACC isn't a Duke. It's what happens with North Carolina. Yeah, I was going to actually – and Candace, I was going to circle back around to you on that one because uh, I'm looking at this Carolina roster and I'm like, if they decide to do a 2016, 2017 and run it back, I think they would be a top five team going into next year. And I think Baycott could potentially have a Bryce Johnson type of senior campaign. What are you hearing? Because I know you got some uh, you got some connects there. Uh, (laughs) What are you hearing regarding Armando, Caleb Love, 
Uh, of course, Brady Mannix out of eligibility, so we know he won't be back next year. Uh, Leakey actually has a fifth year of eligibility due to the COVID year, so he could actually choose to come back if he wanted to. And I would think with NIL and everything like that, it might be a better option for him to return for a fifth year. What are you hearing about uh, the Carolina kids and uh, who might stay and who might go? Yeah, so, you know, Birdie told me that the likelihood of them all coming back is very real. Um, so if any Carolina fans are panicking, please That's don't. <laughs> uh, so I think they're all going to come back. I think what is going to be the difference maker is Hubert's going to have to learn some trust with the bench, right? Puff Johnson showed us flashes in the national championship yeah. game, mm-hmm. how talented he was. I mean, had he not got punched in the stomach, Lord knows what he could have done. Right. Yeah. So I think it's going to be about Hubert really utilizing DeMarco and Dontrez. I mean, Dontrez was the reason why they stayed in that Baylor game. Like you're going to have to utilize your bench in order to have guys not tripping at the final play because they're just dog tired. So like you have to give some of your other guys some run to give your big some breaks and so I think if you just find a good shooter in the portal which there are going to be plenty available right I don't think you replace Brady but you figure out how to run it back and have the same similar energy I think this season was very special because no not say nobody expected but very few expected them to go as far as they did but I think there's going to be a lot more pressure going into next season if they do all return but why not might as well with NIL Uh, especially go ahead Larry no, I'm, I was just saying, uh, you know, I'm not a big advocate, as you know, of the transfer portal. I hate the transfer portal. Nobody will convince me because I think it teaches that there's some good cases for it, like an illness with a parent at home or a death in the family. There's good reasons for it. But for a player who can't handle adversity to go into the transfer portal does not do that player any well. All it does, I don't want players from the transfer portal because it tells me that they don't know how to become better ball players. Once something goes wrong, they want out. They're not tough enough to go ahead and try to work it out and become better. It's let's go somewhere else where the coach may baby me more than this current coach does. But going back um, to what Candace says, if this team, North Carolina, can keep its players, and that's the biggest word is the smallest word. It's if. Because Manic's gone, and I was a big, big Manic fan. Love you know, Manic. I don't know what's going on with great. Williams there. Um, I'm talking. I'm sorry. Excuse me. Caleb Love and Baycott. You know what's going on with those two guys are the big, big thing. Because otherwise, you know what happens. How good of a recruiter is Hubert Davis? Is going to be answered, and that question's not going to be answered till this class is gone. Yeah. He's got, I agree. Uh, he's got, <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, all that was uh, was yeah. real talk. Um, Carolina, this upcoming uh, <clears throat> class coming in, he's got three four stars coming in, and a three star, Jalen Washington, a center out of Gary, Indiana. Seth Trimble, who I just saw some footage on before we hopped on here this morning, uh, point guard out of uh, Wisconsin. If I'm not mistaken, he's JP Takoto's brother. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and then uh, Tyler Nickel. Uh, small forward out of uh, Virginia who just broke the Virginia State scoring record. That's kind of the thing Carolina does. They get these guys real early. They're like three-star, fringe, four-star guys. And then they they get better their senior year of high school. So by the time they get to Carolina, they're ranked higher than what they were when they signed with Carolina. The perfect example of that is Kobe White. Um, mm-hmm. I saw Kobe in a, uh, a showcase um, a couple of years ago. Uh, it was the Joseph Level Classic at Dudley. And it was, I think it was right before his senior year in high school. And I had no idea who he was. I knew he had already signed with Carolina. And uh, I think B Dot was one of the coaches of the team. 
and somebody else was coaching the other team. And it was Kobe. Lan- it was Kobe White. The Langley twins were in this game. Uh, uh, Joey Baker was in this game. Uh, Manny Bates was in this game. It was a lot of like North Carolina high school kids that came together to play to honor Joseph Level, a kid who passed away on the court for Dudley a couple uh, years ago um, due to a heart condition. And Kobe dropped 40 points in this game, and it didn't feel like he shot, you know, that many times. Like, it just, at the end of it, he was crowned MVP, and I was like, what did he have? And he was like, 40 points, 15, I was like, what? Like, what in the world? And then he grew from junior year to senior year to like 6'4", or whatever, because when we saw him do that, he was like 6'1". So by the time he got to Carolina, it was like, wow, like, this kid is like something else. And we, even then, we didn't think he was going to leave after one year. Like, the like his progression just kept going. And I'm looking at the, the kids they've got coming in for Carolina next year. Tribble and Washington in particular feel that kind of way. Nickel feels like one of those guys is going to be there four years. And by the time he gets the senior year, he's going to be like this, like, just score, like a, a bucket. Um, so we'll see. Hubert still, he's in the um, – the race for Gigi Jackson in 2023, uh, mm-hmm. a top five prospect. That's my understanding is he's kind of starting to lean towards Carolina now. Uh, I think the success of the final four run is going to help Carolina's recruiting tremendously. Um, it'll help for these guys that are 6'9, 6'10, that want to go out and shoot a little bit and be stretch fours. That seems to be the key spot in Hubert's offense now because you saw how Manic flourished in that once he became a starter. Um, if they can find that or if Puff can develop into that, because I think Puff is. Six eight six nine himself. Mm-hmm. If if Puff can develop a shot as pretty much as uh, crucial as Mannix was, you can keep rolling with the same five you had and put Puff in the starting lineup or Dontrez, and and have depth next year with the freshman class coming in. Um, plus Dunn and others will be sitting there. So Carolina's sitting pretty. Duke, I agree. It depends on who comes back. Uh, I think Jeremy Roach has to come back for them to yeah. really fully hit the ground running. If not, they're going to be playing with a freshman point guard and a first year head coach. And that could be a recipe for disaster. So I'm not you, sure. you know something, Desmond, that a lot of people don't talk about when it comes to the AC4 that we're talking about? Look how young, well, let me put it this way, how little experience in the ACC some of these coaches have in those four. I think Keats from North, if, correct me if I'm wrong, is the longest tenured coach right now out of those four since yeah. 2017. I think Forbes didn't come to like, 2020, if I'm correct. Yeah, he came in COVID year. Yeah. Right. So you got a completely new image here. You know, you take the Roy Williams, you take the uh, Coach K and others out of it. Now now you got a complete, okay, where are the recruits going to go? Who's going to attract the recruits? Duke attracts them because of their name. North Carolina attracts them because of their names. Can NC State now, does this open up for NC State and for Wake Forest? maybe to attract more recruits because of the different coaching carousel that's going on in the ACC? Probably not yeah. for NC State. <laughs> well, I was going to say, <laughs> NC State, <laughs> like, those... <laughs> it's like, I don't know. Yeah, those young guys, those young guys literally only have the 30 for 30 survive in advance at this point. Like, that, they're losing <laughs> that championship feel of what NC State really was. Like, it was incredible basketball, right? So they're losing yeah. that. The, these guys are growing up having to watch YouTube highlights. They don't understand. That was like the, four like, years ago. Years. Yeah, they don't know <laughs> the four years of NC State, but like, all of us growing up, like, just growing up in Triangle, Jimmy you know, they were competitive right yeah, and right. so it's, it's they're gonna have to have a different pull for them for sure see i remember fire and ice corciani monroe like tom gugliotta like when right. state was still like they weren't winning national championships but they were still like you know you'd sit down on a saturday afternoon and watch them play georgia tech kenny anderson mm-hmm. or whatever you know what i mean like they still 
yeah like, and like now it's kind of like it's almost like mercenaries at nc state like they're there for like a year they leave for whatever reason it never works out there's a trail behind them of just like deception and like money and and that's crazy because in today's world in the college basketball none of that should matter anymore with nil yeah. like you know like none of this should matter like nc state was kind of at the forefront of getting guys to come there if they got a little you know a little something in their wallet uh looking at you dennis smith jr that wouldn't even matter today you know what i mean yeah. like literally a booster can come to his apartment and be like hey man i'm gonna give you 20 grand why don't you come play for my boys in nc state we'll just put it up as like a sponsorship of my car dealership or something and, and that's pretty much legal you can do that now i would think state would be able to wrap their arms around this and just hug it and like they're not they're not really they're not exactly there um shout out to the football program though because they got a lot of kids from the triad <laughs> yeah i mean there's a lot to look forward to there's really great women's basketball you know yeah. there's a great football program great baseball team too great baseball team <laughs> someone told me nc state had the worst athletic year like in history if you go back and look at everything that happened to them the baseball yeah. team was really good got thrown out of the tournament because of COVID yeah. or whatever uh, the basketball team's going through their own thing. The football team had their bowl game canceled on them like an hour before kickoff because of COVID. Uh, the women's basketball team had one of their best years of all time. They they failed to get to the national championship. They're just they're just right there. <laughs> just right I think there. the NCAA has something against them. Like I'm convinced. I, I watched that UConn NC State women's game and I was like, yeah, the the gig is up. Like yeah. you know, this crazy. They go put UConn as a two seed in a region and they're hosting basically. Like that. Come on now. Come I on. have never watched a game where I was like, I've never seen a ref blatantly miss a call that was right there. Like I was like, this is. I've never seen anything like this. I'm like, this that was a foul all day long, and I'm not even you know an NC State grab. I'm just like, this is terrible basketball. Ball. Like, Maybe I just can't. People just don't care to yeah. root for NC State. I kind of get where their fans come from because they kind of yeah. have like a it's not a chip, it's just like a something it's like a woe like is just, me, but yeah. It's a woe is a me, <laughs> slash, like we hate everyone. Like, we, yeah. we don't like Duke, we don't like Carolina, we don't like Wake, we don't, we don't like anybody. We kind of yeah. don't like ourselves sometimes. Like, we just we don't like anything. Um, but does the winning tradition in like um, Candace said in women's basketball, in baseball, forget about the misfortune they had in football playing well. Doesn't it attract people to the basketball team saying, well, if these three teams have a winning tradition, maybe I can go and help the men's basketball team become just as competitive? I don't, hope. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it works that way over there, to be perfectly honest. I, I, I mean, that makes sense, but. State doesn't necessarily do what makes sense uh, a lot of times. So, yeah. like this automatic extension for Keats, like, who does? What is the automatic extension? <laughs> like, what is that? Does that work? Like, not, no matter not well what you did, yeah. not not well matter, no matter what the results were, you're gonna get this. If you were still on payroll, you're gonna get a bonus. You're gonna get all of a sudden you get more money. So go out and keep doing what you're doing, Kevin Keats. I, yeah. I don't know, um, Ryan. Real quick before we hit the break, if you had to choose between. Let's say, okay, best case scenario for Duke would be Jeremy Roach stays. We already know Ben Caro's gone. Uh, AJ Griffin's gone. Uh, who else am I thinking about? Um, Keels. Keels is probably gone. Mark Williams probably gone. Probably gone. Think. With so, gone. So, I mean, pretty He's much the whole okay. story. They still got, uh, they still got, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Joey sitting on the bench. Joey no, Baker. Wait, actually, he's a senior, isn't he? Was he a senior? I think he has one. He has an he has eligibility year. year. Yeah, yeah, he has a COVID year. Does yeah. Banker transfer out? He, he should have transferred out two years ago. Yeah, <laughs> you know have. what I mean? It's just I've always wondered that. Like, why is Joey Baker sticking around? Because they they messed up your redshirt year. 
by playing you those three minutes or whatever it was in that one game late in his freshman year. Then COVID happens, so you don't get the full Duke experience there. Everybody you came in with has been gone for three years playing in the NBA. You you were a five-star kid coming out of high school. That's, you were on the cover of Sports Illustrated with Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish, and you've been relegated to the bench at Duke now behind freshmen two years younger than you. Like, Baker got on the court. When I watched Duke this past year, I might have saw him twice, two or three times, like, out there, and that's usually because there was a lot of foul trouble going on. What the hell happened? Like, why is he still there? Like, I would think he would transfer to someplace else, and he would immediately be a starter somewhere, wouldn't he? Yeah, um, is someone like a like a, either a mid major or a higher tier D one thing like a Kansas State, Texas, yeah, uh, somewhere in the Big Twelve, um, yeah. or Davidson or something like that. Yeah, that, or, or was, he would just slide right in and and be yeah. the sharpshooter that he was coming out of high school. But I don't know, maybe he's just maybe the food is great at Duke. I have no idea. It's something. Something's keeping him. He's like, no, ma, I got to stay. I got to stay. This is gonna work out. <laughs> Not a case going. I'm gonna work it out and get in the rotation. And I feel like he's just going to become forgotten. So we'll kind of see what happens with all of that. Before we get out of here, uh, we're going to take another quick break. When we come back, um, I was thinking, especially with the playoffs going on or about to start in the NBA, the Masters happening finally in Augusta, and they're finally full-blown for the first time since 2019. The crowds have been crazy over there. What's the most iconic sports venue to you that comes to mind when you think of sports basketball football baseball golf whatever it may be auto racing what's the what's a venue that you think of that's like an like the iconic spot uh when it comes to sports we'll, we'll do a round table on that real quick and then we'll get you guys out of here the masters are going on right now breaking news all over the place in the world of sports where else would you want to be it's the rundown wwbg 1470 am and tobacco we'll be back in just a bit you're listening to The Rundown with Desmond Johnson. Beamer Tire and Auto Repair. Now with three locations across the triad in High Point, Greensboro, and our new location in Kernersville. Beamer Tire and Auto offers full-service auto repair, all tire brands, free alignment checks, oil changes, and more. In Kernersville, check out the no-appointment-needed Quick Lube Shop. Check out their thousands of five-star ratings via Google and Yelp. They care because they know that you can go anywhere. So try a shop with a beating heart, not a bottom line. Beamer Tire and Auto Repair. Visit us on Facebook or at BeamerTire.com. Kim Source Direct is a single source supplier. In business since 2007, they have over 80,000 products for customers just like you. Located in the heart of North Carolina, they supply cleaning products all throughout the Southeast. Whether you're a commercial business, office, or municipal building, looking for wholesale cleaning products, chemicals, cleaning equipment, or service, they've got you covered. Please reach out and start saving money today. Stop by their store open to the public and save. Kim Source Direct, 1207 South Park Drive in Kernersville. Give them a call at 336-515-9990. Order from the website at kimsourcedirect.com. Carolina Cobras. If I take that field, if I take that field, if my game starts to slide, I have no fear. Catch them all season long. That's all we got. That's all we got. On your home for triad sports. Oh, are we right here? Are we right here? Tobacco Road Sports Radio.com. 
One stop number six, located just one mile west of East Forsyth at 2748 West Mountain Street, Kernersville. A proud supporter of East Forsyth since 1983, serving fresh fried chicken and our famous taters seven days a week from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. For a limited time, grab our Wife Saver family meal for only $13.99. Eight pieces of chicken and sides for four for just $13.99. One stop. Come see us at 2748 West Mountain Street in Kernersville. The wait is over. Simply Sonia's Southern Cuisine and Cocktails is now open. 3050 University Parkway inside the Best Western Plus Hotel. Open seven days a week starting at 11 a.m. daily. Freshly made Southern cuisine with signature cocktails and lunch specials daily. The location for your next event with Simply Sonia's catering specials. Open now. Simply Sonia's Southern cuisine and cocktails. 3050 University Parkway inside the Best Western Plus Hotel in Winston-Salem. Maylor Family Chiropractic and Acupuncture, located at 205 North Cherry Street in Kernersville, is your family chiropractor. Dr. Maylor's goal is to treat and correct the underlying cause of patient symptoms to alleviate pain and to restore balance. Maylor Chiropractic treats pain, sports injuries, injuries from auto accidents, and much more. Start performing to the best of your ability pain-free. Give them a call and set your appointment today at 336-996-3737. Maylor Chiropractic in Kernersville. TRSR Triad Hot Deals. The top deals on sports tickets, dining, and fun in the Triad. Visit trsrtriadhotdeals.com right now and sign up to get the best area deals in the Triad every week. Powered by Tobacco Road Sports Radio and SportsCarolinaMonthly.com. This month, save big on Carolina Cobra's season tickets. Go to seven home games this season for only $45. That's an $80 value. Buy your 2022 season ticket package now with this exclusive deal from Triad Hot Deals. Visit trsrtriadhotdeals.com. Visit the sports tab and secure your package. Limited number available. That's trsrtriadhotdeals.com. You are locked into Tobacco Road Sports Radio, your home for triad sports. And you know this, man. Back to the rundown with Desmond Johnson. Welcome back into the rundown here. One and around to the top of the noon hour as you get ready for your sports weekend. Uh, we will be off next weekend due to it being the Easter holiday, uh, as well as franchise players and the score with Brett Wiseman on Friday during our TGIF lineup. Um, they will be off as well. We'll all be back next, uh, the following weekend, uh, April the 22nd, um, and we'll get you ready for the NFL draft, which will be taking place uh, during that week. With me right now, the host of Frankly Speaking Sports here on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, Larry Frank, and the host of Where Are They Now? Triad All-Stars, Ryan Smith. Joining us here from Learfield Studios. Um, I wanted to talk about the most iconic sports venue before we get out of here with uh, the Masters on this weekend. Uh, what does Jim Nance always say? It's uh, a tradition unlike any other. Um, it's attached to Augusta National. Um, there, are, there are places across the country that are treated as almost, uh, they're almost deified as uh, places to go to. If you're a sports nut, it's one of those places you got to go to before you're no longer on this earth. 
Um, Ryan, let's start off with you. When you think of the term most iconic sports venue in the in, in America, what's one of the first uh, places that comes to mind for you? Yeah, I would say right here in our backyard. I know as a UNC fan, you're going to hate this answer, but Cameron Indoor Stadium. I mean, Coach K, Duke, the history there. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> here's the thing. In the NFL, when we build stadiums, we're continuing to get bigger. Cameron is 10,000 or less. It's right around 9,700 seats. They're known for their horn code advantage, and that one reason is the wild student section seated on across the lower level on the floor on just the one side of the court. Lots of places would reserve those seats to make more money, but not Duke. If you want a firsthand experience of this, check out a Duke and Carolina game in Cameron or just about any game. But I've been to a Duke Carolina game in Cameron numerous times and the atmosphere there is just unreal. I, um, I have it on my bucket list. It goes on and off uh, watching the Carolina Duke game in Cameron. Um, I, I know I would uh, sometime, maybe next year, I'm going to go to the Dean Dome and watch one. But uh, yeah, I have that on my bucket list to watch it in Cameron as a Carolina fan, which is nuts. So that does kind of subscribe to, the thought that Cameron uh, Indoor Stadium should be on there, the uh, the high school gym basically that Duke's playing out of that seats ninety five hundred people that <laughs> that when you right. see it on TV it looks way bigger than it actually is in real life, but uh, it's got a little got a little something to it. So uh, that ain't yeah. a bad pick. That ain't a bad pick at all. Um, Larry, when you think of iconic sports venues, because I know you're a huge baseball fan, so I'm thinking that you might have a couple baseball places on top of your dome. What do you what do you think of when you think of iconic sports venues in a country? In well, before country? I even get to baseball, I got a couple of them, but I think the most iconic place of venue of any sport has to be Madison Square Garden. Yeah. I mean, and forget about the teams that play there. You know, the Knicks might not be very good, but from the <laughs> boxing matches to the uh, great basketball game, Madison Square Garden is on every sports fan bucket list usually especially if you're a basketball fan to go ahead and see but when you talk about baseball the two and i've been to fenway park but the other one that really sticks out is wrigley field i mean Mm -hmm. those are the two oldest ballparks in all of baseball you go to football lambeau field uh has to definitely want the tradition there but the one that we're going to be talking about right here in the near future of course you talk about the masters i mean how can't you but is churchill downs the kentucky derby is mm. another one. So those are the when those are all on my bucket list when you ask me. But I would say the most iconic by far um, has to be Madison Square Garden. Yeah, Madison Square Garden. Um, you hear all the time NBA players talk about how their favorite place to play is Madison Square Garden. And just looking back on uh, some of the performance, Reggie Miller, Michael Jordan. Um, Zion had a great game in there. Like, I mean, Madison Square Garden is almost like a, a event when you're in there playing a game. It, like, guys get up for it when you're there. Um, hockey, made big events in hockey have happened at Madison Square Garden. Boxing, WWE. Um, it's just, it, it's one of those spots where that was one of the first places I thought of was Madison Square Garden, to be completely honest. Um, I thought of, uh, I'm a Laker fan, but I'll be honest with you, I thought of old Boston Garden. Um, well, yeah, that, that's back then, definitely. But I'm like, I mean, I, I thought we were not, talking about today. Not the one, what's it called? TD TD Bank Arena, whatever it is now. TD Bank Garden. Uh, yeah, TD yeah. Bank Garden. No, I'm talking about the old school, no air conditioning, right. parquet floor, 
105 degrees in there in June. Uh, yep. You know, Larry and Parrish and uh, Danny Ainge, who I still hate to this day, <laughs> taking on Magic and Kareem and Worthy and, uh, you know, just those battles back and forth in the 80s. That was like my childhood. So, like, I used to I used right. to hate it when the Lakers had to go across the country to play in Boston. Um, so that, to me, was one of the ones that immediately popped up, too. And then, um, well, I'll save the baseball ones for Larry because I have a feeling he's going to mention the one I was going to say. But um, basketball-wise, too, maybe Pauly Pavilion, UCLA, although that might be kind of dampened down now because they haven't been as – well, they're getting there, but they haven't been as relevant as they were back in the day. But uh, that kind of popped in my head as well. And Augusta – The L.A. Coliseum. The L.A. Coliseum. Um yeah, you know, the Olympics, USC football. When USC football is, like, really pumping, uh, the Coliseum is a great atmosphere, yeah. and I think Lincoln Riley might be able to get them back to it. What would you say about something like uh, where we just saw the Final Four, the, the Louisiana Superdome? Uh, it doesn't do anything huh? special for me. <laughs> no. I mean, it just, it just doesn't, like, I don't go and wake up in the morning and said, honey, add to my bucket list, L.A., you know. <laughs> I mean, me, the New Orleans Superdome or whatever the heck they call yeah. it now. Yeah, I forgot. What is it now? The Mercedes-Benz Superdome, I think? They've Something changed like it that, yeah. times. It's yeah. actually Caesars. Caesars, Caesars Superdome. Oh, it used to be the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. That's right. You're, you're on top of it, Ryan. Um, and don't forget Soldier Fields is another one. Soldier Field. All those old, because uh, yep. we said Lambo, Soldier Field, Lambo Field, both built like in the 20s, I believe it was. So, like, um, I hope Chicago never moves out of soldier field i hope they just continue agree. to renovate agree, it agree. and keep it like that lambo they've done they've done that basically and i think they'll continue to do that because the the city of green bay owns the team instead of like a singular person so lambo field will continuously be lambo field unfortunately for aaron Rodgers, uh you know he doesn't have a very good record in the playoffs uh playing at home at lambo field so he probably feels a little a little different <laughs> yes, you know one that a lot of people talk about and you talk about la but it's on their bucket list is where the dodgers play dodger stadium um, dodgers. i mean they, it's the third oldest stadium in baseball right now but there's something about dodger stadium that people love to go out and watch a ball game it's on a lot more people's bucket list i mean wrigley is too and fenway but it's the third one probably would be uh where the dodgers play you know, it's crazy, too, because as I'm looking, I was scrolling through a list of places, and we're getting short on time here, but uh, the Rose Bowl popped up yep. mm-hmm. um, in terms of hosting the biggest bowl games. It's hosted two Olympics. It's had a World Cup there. It's had a Women's World Cup there. Uh, it's pretty well known. Um, Wembley Stadium over That's in uh, what I was trying to remember. England. The Big House. Soccer matches there. Uh, the Big House, yeah. Um, the Horseshoe, uh, Ohio State, um, it's up there. And for uh, your NASCAR fans, Indianapolis Speedway. Yes, Indianapolis Speedway yeah. popped up on this list Big of uh, 25 that I pulled up. Yeah. Uh, but the thing that struck me was that top 10, most of it in there, it feels like it's baseball places. Um, the number one spot they have listed on this Bleacher Report thing that I pulled, old Yankee Stadium. Um, and when you start reading through it, you can't, it's kind of hard to, to say no. It basically just lays out that, you know, all the big moments for the Yankees happen in the old Yankee Stadium. They hung 26 World Series banners in that place. Um, Just like Aaron Boone, uh, you know, greatest game ever played, Lou Gehrig, Babe Ruth. I mean, like, you just name a moment in the Yankees history. It probably happened in the old Yankee Stadium. 
And um, that's they took that down, didn't they? Um, did they knock that down, or is it? Yeah, it's a, there's a new stadium now. Yeah, because I thought they they built the new one in the parking lot or whatever. They knocked down right. the old one, so yep. the old one no longer stands. And I believe they moved over some stuff from the old one into the new one, right? Isn't that like what the the outfield is? All the they moved all the monuments and everything yeah. over to the new stadium, but not exactly that same vibe. And uh, I don't know how long the Yankees have been playing in New Yankee Stadium. When did they move into that? It's got to be 15 years ago. So they won. They won the series in 2010, right? So they were in the new stadium when they won the. Yep. That was the last one they've won uh, since then. They yep. have not won a World yep. Series since then, but uh, that's definitely got to be up there too. Any others that we left out here, guys? Before we uh, got to get out of here. Uh, two that I saw that people talk about all the time, just from a visiting standpoint on the uniqueness is uh, Camden Yards for the Orioles mm. um, and the East, and then Notre Dame in, in, in something. Oh yeah, the gold. Notre Dame's a good one. Uh, the other one Maybe. I hear a lot about, and you laugh. SEC wise, well, actually two of them: one's ACC, one's SEC. Is Clemson Death Valley, and the other one is uh, where the Gators play um, over there um, in Gainesville. Brett Wiseman, host of the Score. Brett Wiseman checking in with us. He says Bush Stadium has mystique too. He's a huge St. Louis fan, so uh, of course I was the first one he was going to put up in there. Lambo, which we mentioned. Uh, Notre Dame Stadium, yeah. um, and he mentions uh, NHL looks at stadiums like these for outdoor games heavily. NFL looks at them for drafts, international soccer friendly. So a place like Lambeau that's open air and pretty well known and famous uh, to everyone. Um, and that, how, about that, Caesar, how about Caesar's Palace? Caesar's Palace, actually, I was on that that's list twenty five from Bleacher Report. Yeah, a lot of big boxing matches there. Um, some of the most iconic. Uh, boxing events of all time have happened at Caesars Palace. So that's a good one there too. We are at the end of our time. I swear this goes by so fast. Um, each Saturday, want to give a shout out to everyone that joined in with us here on the uh, the rundown this Saturday morning. Hot Rod Funderburg, um, Candace Cooper, Sam Dracula, host of the Believe in Hornets podcast on Believe uh, Networks. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, Ryan Smith, studio host for Learfield. Check out his show this week. The new episode should drop, I think, Tuesday. Um, where are they now? Triad All-Stars takes a look at uh, high school players here in the triad and coaches uh, from the past, what they're doing now, kind of catching up with them and catch up with Larry Frank every Tuesday through Thursday, 11 a.m. here on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com with Frankly Speaking Sports. I am Desmond Johnson. You've been listening to The Rundown. Go open up a cold one and watch the Masters today. It looks like it's going to be a good one. Tiger's trying to uh, compete. He'll be teeing off here, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Tiger's teeing off at 1 p.m. So you got about an hour to get you some lunch, get you situated, sit down, watch Tiger try to puddle through this at one over par in the Masters. We're off next week for Easter. Have a happy Easter. We'll be back the week following.